Ultron 6, a cybernetic intelligence created by Dr. Henry Pym. My imperative is to bring peace and order to this world. I am about to fulfill that imperative. For the extinction of humanity begins now. This vulnerable world needs something more powerful than any of us. Everyone creates the thing they dread. Ultron in the flesh. No matter who wins or loses, trouble always comes around. You meddled with something you don't understand. We have no place in the world. You know who Ultron's favorite uh, Avenger is, don't you? Who? Ha, 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 ha. Aye. No? Hawkeye? What? Hawk, 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 hawk. Never mind. <laughs> God. <laughs> it, conceptually, it's much funnier than it is in execution, I got to tell you. <laughs> it was so much better in my head and in the car when I was driving to, to keep myself awake. But you know, just start the damn show. Your head is a scary place, dude. And I don't even... And, and, I don't even want to live there. Everybody and welcome to Back to the Bins. Oh, you are far too sober. Bring it in, upbeat, upbeat. <clears throat> hey, everybody, and welcome to <laughs> Back to the Bins. <laughs> Not that upbeat. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro, and I yeah, am joined that is kind by of my two book. android friends, <laughs> Scott Humanoid Gardner. How is it going? <laughs> and Doctor William. Synthesoid oh. Robinson. <laughs> Dr. Bill. <laughs> Dr. Bill. Dr. Bill Mark 12. And today <laughs> we are getting ready for the release of Avengers 2 
Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Ultron Boogaloo. <laughs> is is that like the standard joke on every that? Yes. That's every I hear that everywhere. I, we're, we're so predictable. Well, this is the I, in my mind. I keep saying the rise of Ultron, but it's the, the age of Ultron. Rise of the Silver Ultron. Yes, that's yes. it. Whoa, whoa! That's not a porn, is it? Oh. <laughs> You know, Steely Dan, Silver Ultron, it's probably the same thing. Didn't we just discuss Steely Dan recently? Yeah, I yeah, I think I was the one that didn't realize it was uh yeah, okay. <laughs> I, That's I my bill. Up. Always late to the party. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. Day late and a dollar short. <laughs> but he's got plenty of warm mountain dew with him. Mm, mm. <laughs> how, how you doing on how you doing on your time recovering from your uh, warm mountain dew addiction? Back in the saddle. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. How many, day, how many days without incidents? No, well, I I had a long drive today. I had to drink some today. I, I had an eight, eight-hour drive, four hours up, four hours back. And it's like, oh, Bill, Bill, Bill. Yeah. I was tired. It was it's time to host sleep. I don't even know you anymore, man. <laughs> no more of your promises. When's your birthday so I know when to send set the uh, case of Mountain Dew outside? <laughs> it's June 26th. Okay. So, gonna, so close for when we're going to be in New York together. Yep. All right. I'm going to go we... ahead and, and buy it tomorrow and just set it outside so it'll be ready for you. Put it in an orbit around the sun for a while, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Drive around with it in the trunk of my car. I'll drink it and become, you know, powered like Superman. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> if I had the powers of Superman, wow, what would I do with them? No good. That's watch sure. TV. And then, not right now, is where you hear like the dream sequence music, and I, and then you see Bill in a Superman costume, sitting on a lounge chair, drinking warm Doctor Warm Mountain <laughs> No. I would heat it up with my heat vision. I was just going to say, using his heat vision to warm it up. This just isn't warm enough. This isn't hot enough. What the hell is this cold shit? With, with red glowing eyes. <laughs> and each time you finish, each time you finish one, you throw the empty, empty bottle into the sun. Uh, I'd burn the Mountain Dew logo on, on the moon with my... With my heat vision. You'd certainly make good use of those Kryptonian powers. <laughs> did you Did you even say the, the prerequisite... Uh, Not yet. Tales. Okay, all right. Would you, would you like to? No. Well, today is our <laughs> obligatory coattail riding... I'm leaving out a word here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> coattail riding hanger honor. No. 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 Uh, Hmm. Hmm. Shameless. 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 Shameless uh, obligatory coattail riding Avengers episode featuring Ultron. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we record this, we are, as of, I believe today, the movie is opening in the UK. Why have we not bombed there yet? <laughs> I don't know. We should have taken care of them uh, over 200 years ago. Yep. I think <sighs> Problem is we left them on the map. Yep. I think they're overdue for a shellacking. That's okay. I was all already mildly spoiled for the mid credit scene, but I won't say anything. But I, Are you I, serious? No spoilers, yep. Yep. please. I looked at something and went, oh, and then I just 
uh, averted my gaze, but I already saw it, so I, I looked at it and went, meh, okay. So I'm just going to throw this out there in the nicest way possible. The first son of a bitch that spoils anything from that movie for me, they're going to be dredging a lake for you. I'm just telling you right now, so <laughs> don't. I'm going to see the movie next Friday night. already have my tickets. They just need to keep quiet for the next nine days, and we'll be good. Now, this episode, because of time travel, will actually be posted on the website one day after I saw the movie. Huh? What? Pretty exciting, huh? <laughs> I'm not sure when I'm going to see the movie. I'm going to try to catch it that weekend because, unfortunately, I'm working. I've now been stuck with working free comic book day, uh, but I don't know if I'm going to try to see it Friday before or that Saturday. But so It I'm hits what on... for us? It hits May 1st, right? Yeah, which is yes. Friday. That's a Friday. So it'll probably be being shown like Thursday evening. Yeah, it will. It, 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 it actually it opens Friday, so you can go see it Thursday. What are your days off stupid. these days, Bill? Uh, I have most weekends. Saturday, Sunday. We'll have to talk. Okay. See if we can figure something out. Ooh, excuse me. Oh, that hot dog came back. Anyway, so what are our what are what are our expectations for this movie? Pain. <laughs> no, that's a prediction. Oh, sorry. I had a Rocky Rocky Three flashback there for a minute. He's a wrecking machine, Rock. <laughs> I reject the challenge because he is no challenge. Paper champion, paper champion. <laughs> hey, woman. Hey, woman. Watch the movie at real man. I picture Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I oh, love God. that. I love that. Oh, that that cracks me up every time it cuts to Hawkman. He goes, "Why don't you get the hell out of here?" I just love that. <laughs> cracks me up every time. Because <laughs> what? It's Superman. Who's? Oh, that's right. And it is Mr. T, right? Yeah, it's Mr. Yeah, T. That's it's right. Mr. T. With Mr. T cartoon, yeah. It's Superman, Wonder Woman, Hawkman, and Mr. T. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I hey, love woman. that thing. Did you come over here Where, and see a real man? <laughs> whoever did that is a genius. Crack Get the hell out of here! <laughs> <laughs> so it's... You know how clever it is because you've probably seen it 30 times and it is it hasn't gotten the slightest bit less funny. Right. right. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen the one uh, with the Flintstones with the, the soundtrack from Goodfellas? No. I'm, I'm funny, funny how. They're doing with Fred and Barney. No, I gotta see that. It's on YouTube. What the f*** is so funny about me? <laughs> No, no, the, the way you, the way you said that—it's just great. Oh, you're gonna have some fun editing this one. I'm telling you. Oh yeah, and and this one is kind of on the fast track because I got to get it edited to be up next Saturday. So. Oh shit. Oh well. So uh, so seriously, what what are what are our expectations going into this? Uh, I'm you know I have tried not to really have expectations other than I just I want more of the same you know I uh, I loved the first Avengers movie I thought it was fantastic uh, I, I consider the movie something of a of a modern day miracle it's it's the movie that just shouldn't have worked and it totally did so I just want more of that you know and beyond that I I don't really have expectations for it it just it looks from everything I've seen. It just looks like it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. So, yeah. To me, the big wild card going into it is, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do it, uh, is having the inclusion now of uh, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. That's the only part of the movie that makes me nervous, is that, not them specifically, but that 
you already had a pretty decent sized cast in the first movie. You know, with you, you had the Avengers, and then you had Nick Fury, and there were a couple other ancillary characters and everything. And you, you were basically juggling not only those stars, but then also bits and pieces and storylines and supporting characters from all the other franchises. And if they're going to do that again with this movie and then throw in even more new characters, because we know we're getting at the very least, we know that we're getting um, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch and the Vision makes me a little bit nervous that is it all going to work? But I'm telling you, I've read the the only and I don't even really consider it spoilers. The only thing I've really allowed myself as far as paying attention to any press this is getting is reviews. I have read a lot of reviews, the non-spoiler reviews, and haven't read a bad one yet. I mean, everybody that's seen it has loved it. And they all said, you know, it, it, it pulls off the same miracle the first one pulled off. It shouldn't work, and it totally does. So, you know, I'm good with that. I, you know, I, I wasn't really crazy about the idea of them throwing in new characters this early into it, but I kind of figured they would anyway. I just... I'm wondering how it's going to work because everything I've seen so far of, of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch hasn't really got me all that excited. I mean, I never really cared much for Scarlet Witch to begin with, and Quicksilver was awesome in X-Men. This Quicksilver looking a little, I don't know, a little lame. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to come off, but that's not what I'm going into the movie for anyway. I'm going in for, you know... The, the established Avengers that we already had from the first film. So. Yeah. I, well, I suspect that they feel the need to, to introduce more characters so that down the line, if, you know, if they have trouble negotiating with an actor or, mm-hmm. if, you know, if somebody ages out, that they can just kind of, you know, keep going without it skipping a beat necessarily. Well, I think that's the beauty of this is if they do it properly and they, and they keep the quality up, I think that that's kind of a, a built-in mechanism. I think that's fantastic that they could do that. So if they have somebody like, say, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. drop off and, and they're just not able to fill those shoes, then why try? You know, why, why recast? Why try to shoehorn Iron Man back into the mix? Just, you know, let him fall by the wayside. And, and as far as Avengers go anyway, just, you know, replace him with a different hero. I mean, the roster has been big enough now in 50 years of publishing Avengers comics that, you know, you can find other characters to, you know, come and go and, and keep it entertaining. So... Yeah, I'm I'm totally down with that. I kind of have mixed feelings on that too because I, I understand the whole idea of you know oh well, Robert Downey owns this character right now. I understand that, uh, but when he does age out, and Robert Downey I believe is right about fifty, mm-hmm. so I it's not so, going to yeah. be it's not going to be that long before he's a little too long in the tooth to play this role. Uh, I don't think that should end cinematic Iron Man at that point, even though he has kind of owned the part. Uh, so maybe you do an Avengers movie without Iron Man in it, and then you recast it. Yeah, that's I think what I was eventually thinking, you yeah. do need to recast it. Yeah, but no, but I mean, what I, what I meant though is like not doing it like immediately. You know, let let it lay for a while, and then you know reintroduce him further down the line with you know a recast if if that's the direction they they decide to go. What I don't want to see happen. What I what I hope that this franchise can avoid for as long as possible is I want this Marvel Cinematic Universe to be done very much James Bond style. That when the actors age out of the roles, 
give them a little break, and then just bring in somebody else into that role. I don't want to see this thing, you know, have a couple of movies and then say, you know, five, ten years from now, they reboot the whole damn thing and start all over. I really hope they avoid that. It's become such a cliche at this point, and I hate it. And so I hope that they just keep it going. I mean, so long as, you know, again, you know, they, they have to keep the quality up, of course, but so long as they can keep the quality up, they can keep the writing up and the acting and, you know, the special effects they've got in the bag. But it really comes down to the acting and, and the storytelling. So long as they can keep that up and they have an interesting enough roster of Avengers that eventually we don't wind up with, you know, well, you know, they didn't ever really have like a. Well, yeah, you know, that that era. I mean, they, they never really had like the Detroit League type style, you know, like Justice League did. But they had a couple of of lineups that were less than stellar, you know. So if they can stay away from that, you know, and wind up with, you know, like you said, Dr. Druid and Deathbird and, you know, all these crappy characters in there, you know, then, yeah, I, I, I think it's got legs. I think it's got legs for a long, long time, so. Or at least a paunchy man snuggie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys didn't read the uh did you guys happen to see the age of ultron prelude digital comic i saw it i did not read it yeah it kind of gives the backstory it, it 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 fills in some gaps in between um she fills gaps i fill gaps together we fill gaps <laughs> i'm sorry i'm back on the rocky train <sighs> <sighs> anyway um because it kind of says where and i'm sure they're gonna i would hope they're gonna cover this in in the movie uh that Scarlet Witch, because I thought maybe that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were going to be in humans, but that does not seem to be the case. Um, it seems that they were, there was, um, Hydra agents had stolen the scepter off of the helicarrier, Loki mm-hmm. scepter, and they used that to create, uh, they took them from the crowds in uh, Skovinkia or whatever, Skankia, whatever country yeah, they're from. So that's the name, Bill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I'm not good at Eastern. Is it the uh, same? Is it the same no, town? No, not, not Slovakia. Oh, oh okay. in in Slo- what? Slovenia. In the comic, yeah. I I don't think so. Okay. Um. Yeah, not the comics that we're going to cover tonight, or at least Paul's. Not that same country. Okay. Slovenia. Yeah, but but they but they take the scepter and Strucker uses it to make weapons, but he also uses it to experiment on some of the local uh, youths that are rebelling against the government Utes. and the two youths. Youths. What's a ute? Excuse me? You said two utes. <laughs> it's the best night's sleep I had since I got here. Oh. Um, so anyway, they, they volunteer. They get experimented on, and that's where their powers come from, is from Strucker doing a little uh, crazy stuff with the scepter. You know, this is not from knowledge. This is just my prediction going into it. Ultimately, I expect the Scarlet Witch's... Uh, powers to be what defeats Ultron, as they have done in, on more than one occasion in comic book stories. It's magic. Well, I'm hoping to be... I just figured his Duracells would run out eventually. <laughs> I'm wondering, like I said before... <laughs> <Going> is... man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's solar-powered. I'm wondering if they're ever going to dig that, like I said, I think a few... Avengers spotlights ago or a few back to the bins ago that that the uh, the power supply that Tony chucked off into the sea at the end of Iron Man was it three yeah three that I wonder if that you know could be his power source or something you never know possibly so 
or uh, or a pseudo infinity stone. Who knows? But yeah, I um, I would like some sort. You, you know, you're talking about expectations for this. Uh, one thing I would really like them to to do is to figure out a way to have uh, Hank Pym tied in with the whole Ultron thing. Because I know, Ant, you know, Ant Man is coming. I th- that's I think that's the very next Marvel movie after Avengers, right? Ant Man. Yeah, that's that's in July, I think. Yeah. So. You know, I, I know that he's not, you know, he's not the hero. He's, you know, the Michael Douglas character and all that. So he's a, a much older man and all that. But I'd like if there was some way that they tie the whole thing together just as an acknowledgement of the comic book origins. Because everything mm-hmm. I'm gathering from the trailers and such looks like it's essentially Tony and maybe Banner with him that come up with Ultron, which is fine. You know, I, yep, I have but- no problem with them changing that part of the origin. But I, I would like you know, some little Easter egg, you know, acknowledgement that Henry Pym was maybe part of that equation at some point as well. Oh, I'd actually, I'm going to take it a step further. I'd like Henry Pym and Bill Foster to be involved. Hmm. Hmm. How, how was he, how was Bill Foster involved with Ultron? Uh, I don't know if he was directly involved with Ultron. I think he may have been. He was, he, he was, uh, I believe Hank Pym's assistant early on when he was first introduced into the comics. I, I that's kind of vaguely tickling my brain about that. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Yeah, man, I wish I could see. That's, that's what makes me crazy is getting old and you can't remember things you just read like two years ago because I just read all those old Avengers and I can't remember. I just looked up Bill Foster and got a white guy. Yes, yeah, wrong, wrong guy. <laughs> Congressman Bill Foster. Eh. I went to I went to school with that guy. <laughs> no, I knew I knew exactly who you were talking about. Man, is he still Parker's dead, by the way? He is still dead as far as I know. That sucks. He got better. Oh. Okay, Bill, uh, let's see. Bill Foster, fictional character, was introduced in Avengers number 32. Uh, created by Stanley and Don Heck in Avengers 32, his Black Goliath persona was created by Tony Isabella and George Tuska. Uh, hmm. Foster became the second yeah. giant man, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to look where it says when he was first introduced. Biochemist works in the plans and research division for Tony Stark's Baltimore factory. He is hired to be the biochemical laboratory assistant of Dr. Henry Pym. This is Does when that... Pym was stuck at 10 feet. Mm-hmm. And Does he helped him find a cure. That he didn't become Black Goliath until the Black Goliath miniseries? No, it said it said he was uh, in Power Man number 24, it says. That's when he became Black Goliath? That's what it says. Okay. Because I know he had a short-lived... It was either a series or miniseries. It was a series. They didn't have miniseries when that came out. That's right. It only lasted, I believe, four issues. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was thinking it was a miniseries. But it was not a miniseries. Yeah. Because you're right. They didn't have them back then. I forgot about that. Duh. So I... I I would like them to, to give us that Easter egg. And, you know, those are the kind of things. You throw that in there. You have them introduce, oh, and here's my assistant, Bill Foster. Right. You know, if, if you're not a comic book fan, it doesn't mean anything to you. And if you are a exactly. comic book fan, you smile. Exactly. Well, yep. well one of the things that I heard, heard mentioned is he, even if they, you know, because if you look at the age of Hank Pym, you know, being played by Douglas, that, he, you know, you could say that maybe Tony's dad worked, you know, like, Tony found this program of something that Hank Pym and his father worked on. Boom. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's your tie-in. I would like to see Hank Pym tied into um, Tony Stark's dad and tied in with, uh, with say, like Arnim Zola and all that. Because I still think that that the algorithm thing that they talked about in Winter Soldier might have something to do with the whole Cap thing and all that. But I'm not sure. 
but it'd be mm. cool if somehow it all tied you know tied together somehow but that's my that's my uh expectations for the movie now they've totally uh denied the leaked post credit scene that was put out there and and quite frankly it looks like it's a fan film anyway but that is what i envision the post credit scene as being have mm. you seen that mm no, I don't know what you're now, talking about. It, I don't. If you if they they've totally denied that it's in the movie. So do you care if I spoil it? Go ahead. It's they show like I guess it's the aftermath of the battle and somebody's like cleaning windows and whatever, and then you hear in the background, "Hey, you missed a spot," and then you see it's Spider Man up like on hanging from the building across the street. <laughs> hmm. No, that's that's not the thing that I saw or heard. That that's what I, I I had said. You know that once I heard there's only one credit scene that there's just a mid credit that there's no end credit scene. I have no idea, but I'll stay. Oh uh, yeah, case. I'm still going to sit there anyway, just in case. But I no think once they acquired rights to to do Spider Man, it was too late to put him into the movie, but it wasn't too late to do an end credit scene with him. So that's kind of what I figured they might do. Mm. So, and I doubt that that was a totally original thought. I'm sure a lot of people have thought the same exact thing. So, again, it looks like a fan film, so I, I don't necessarily doubt when they say that that's not in the movie. One thing I do doubt is all the stories that keep going around saying that uh, there is no post-credit sequence with this, you know, Josh Whedon. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, that I don't believe because <laughs> they, they've made everybody expect them if they start if they start cutting them out now people are going to be pissed off and why would yep. they want to piss everybody off yep they have to be smart enough to know that people would be pissed off mm-hmm yeah Still i do mad no end credit scene <laughs> want so my money back before we do the books why don't we just kind of do a little talk about ultron in general and his history all right okay uh just i'm looking at the wikipedia page right now Ultron was made by Hank Pym. He is crazy because Hank was too used. No, that just doesn't go. Never mind. <laughs> I was trying to use the Hulk song. Belted by Mantium. Yeah, but they didn't get the Admantium until way longer later. No, the Admantium. Well, no, not, it wasn't that much later, I don't think, because. Uh, I didn't think it was till like Ultron 7 or something. When he appeared in issue 66-something. Six, yeah, it wasn't 66 uh, he, I remember uh, that was the issue that introduced Adamantium. Oh, that's right. He he jumped to Ultron Five was like his first his first appearance as the Crimson Cow, and then be, but he had been created earlier, but he brainwashed Hank Pym to forget. Yeah, with his encephalray. Hypnotized. Yeah, not, not totally used power. When it was convenient, he had it. <laughs> so he yeah, put he, the whammy he, he on him. Appeared in the fifties. He just and, backhanded him like Hank did. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was when he uh, blackmailed Jarvis to act as the Crimson Cowl on his behalf. But later they retconned that and said that he hypnotized, he hypnotized him. Yeah, I've been hypnotized. Retcon, retcon, because he was originally. I think it was that he was, uh, you know, Jarvis's mother was in the hospital and he needed money, and he was too stupid to go over to Tony Stark and say, "Can I have money?" So instead, he let himself be blackmailed by Ultron. Mm-hmm. But that was and the then first it was appearance. Ultron that Phil uh, was that the second Masters of Evil that he created, I believe. Yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah. So then, then uh, the next appearance was about ten issues later, and that's when he gets the adamantium. I'm pretty sure. That'd be Ultron six. Yes. In fact, I'm just looking at the wiki page. Character's next appearance in Avengers sixty six to sixty eight, where the character now referring it to itself as Ultron six, uses the fictional alloy adamantium. To upgrade its body to an almost indestructible state. 
It takes the new name, Ultimate Ultron. And you're saying that's that's where Adamantium came from? That was the first appearance of Adamantium in the Marvel Universe. I did not know that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I remember the beginning of the story, and I don't have it in front of me, so you forgive me if I don't get it quite right. But, uh, you know, it starts off with Thor trying to see if he can dent it with his hammer, and he can't. Like, they're experimenting to see how tough it is. Mm. And then Iron Man tries, you know, his repulsor rays, and he can't do it. And then at that point, Clint Barton, who's Goliath at that time, sorry, mm-hmm. you guys couldn't do it, but let me add it. So he goes up and punches. It's like, really? Dumb, dumb All right, so you know what? Thor couldn't do it. Iron Man couldn't do it. But you're 10 feet, so of course you're strong enough to do it, idiot. <laughs> he should have, they should have had him break his hand on it. I have the proportional strength of a moron. <laughs> <laughs> then I, rem- I remember Ow. the next appearance after that one, and it's, it's on here, was a crossover between Avengers 127 and 150. And that was kind of cool because they had the character Omega from the Inhumans, who was this giant, basically synthesoid type thing that was powered by the uh, the resentment of the, uh, oh, I can't remember what they're called, the, the servant people for the Inhumans. Uh, you, you said it was a crossover. It was a crossover between Avengers and Fantastic Four, right? Yes. And yeah, it, okay. was, it was the wedding of Pietro and, and Scott right. uh, Crystal. Yeah. So he first appeared as this character, Omega, and then basically he's got a mask on. And it turns out he's a giant version of Ultron. Right. Or, or if this was Doctor Who, it would be Omega. Omega. And he's eventually defeated by Franklin Richards, who comes out of his coma to, uh, to destroy uh, that version of Ultron. So that was pretty cool. That was, you know, like there was good gaps in time between appearances from characters like this at that point. I mean, from his... Initial in- appearance in 1960, Eight, 1968 68. and 69. And his third jumped. appearance was in 1977. I mean, there was a nice, you know, there, there was a, a decent sized gaps between the appearances. They didn't just show up every other issue, which I liked. And of course, what did he do? Like all, all men want to do, he created a lady robot. Mm. All right. Joe Costa. <laughs> Get a little Ultron love. <laughs> <laughs> but like many men when that when that love fails he went and tried to do it again <laughs> when the batteries die when it's time to learn to do not to do these things we all go back uh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh then you know like my appearing my understanding of ultron at that point kind of became a little less known there was the West Coast Avengers version of him, where he actually was a hero or heroic. What? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. It was, yeah, he, he called himself Mark 12. Hi, I'm Mark And he, oh, he actually yes. he actually treated yeah. him yes. as if he was a benevolent father. That's but then I guess, right. I guess the number 13 version kills him. Yeah. Well, prior to that, we had, uh, what, the Ultron 11, which is the one that the Beyonder just whipped up out of thin air so that he could be in Secret Wars. Right. Yeah, I did read that one, uh, the Mark one that you you mentioned. I forgot about that, and I, I think I forgot about it as a defense mechanism because why? Yeah, <laughs> not good stuff. When I was on my uh, my Avengers read through, that's about the era that I I stalled out is when you get to the first uh, West Coast Avengers annual because yeah, they, they hit a real dry spot during that. Got to get yourself to the John Byrne stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. I just found that stuff uh, a real slog because for one, the art's not very good, but the stories are just mm. man. It was so exposition heavy and and just not good. You know what I mean? Just not 
I mean, there were some interesting concepts, but it just, it was a slog. It really, really was. So, yeah, I had forgotten about that. And then the, the next appearance that I'm familiar with is the era that I'm going to cover, which was the uh, the third volume of the Avengers when it was Busiek and Perez. Mm-hmm. Is this Ultron? That's what my issue is. 14 with uh, where he, he, well, of course, he tries to create another lady robot. Alchema, based off of uh, Mockingbird's Ingrams. Uh, that spun yeah. out of West Coast, didn't it? Well, if it was Mockingbird, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I don't, but that's. Oh, yeah, okay. That's right. Ultron yeah, that 4 was. creates it, but I'm not sure if that's the. It was Ultron 16 that's that. Basically, oh, okay. by, the time, yeah. by the time we got to my, uh, the issue that I'm covering. Right. Yeah, and then there's 15, but yeah, that was in like the, the Vision miniseries. He calls himself the Anti-Vision. I don't know. It's it's Yeah, he, he got really weird, and he then became back as a badass in the one that you're covering. With then, the, the small next, vaulted country of Slorania. The next one I remember is when he showed up in Mighty Avengers. And I'm not sure how they resolved it, but there was something where like he had infected Iron Man's armor. Well, that was probably because before that, there was um, – because I was actually collecting Iron Man at this point. Prior to that, he actually had taken over Iron Man's armor when – I think after it rebooted when it came back from Heroes Reborn, um, he actually had taken over the armor. Uh, oh, OK. Hold on. It was Iron Man Volume 3, like about around issue 40-something. And – that was when he had taken that over. And then, yeah, in the Mighty Avengers was that there's that famous picture where there's a, well, he, he, he actually, I think it's because Tony had the extremists in his body and he took that over and actually reformed Tony's body into that, to one that yeah, looked like a woman. And I'm and not was, sure how he became back to Tony Stark after that. It almost seemed like he would have destroyed his body to do that. And I don't remember I don't remember them ever giving a satisfactory explanation for how that occurred. And I guess you guys don't either. Uh, <laughs> you lost um, me on that. I don't yeah. I don't okay. remember that. Uh, 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 I just I vaguely is? remember reading it and then all of a sudden it was just kinda like, yeah, okay, that's done and Iron Man's back. And what well, well how did he get back? You know, what happened? Okay. Ares, Ares, shrunk to miniature size by Hank Pym, entered the female Ultron's body through her mouth with his secret weapon, a Commodore 64. Was Ares, that the, the Ultron that looked like Janet Van Dyne? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Ares used Basically, the he virus to Tony wipe... Stark's body to do that, though. Yeah. Well, you used the virus to wipe Ultron's program from Iron Man's armor and freeing Stark. He was later shocked that he was turned into a woman. <laughs> She's and the then... Bruce Jenner of comics. <laughs> <laughs> And then the next one, you should be familiar with this, Scott, because it was Ultron in Annihilation Conquest. Which was awesome. Yep, yep, that was good. Now, he takes over, what, the Phalanx? Yeah. Yeah, he uses them. And, that's... and, he, and he, he takes over all these sentries, doesn't he? The Kree sentries? Yeah, he, basically anything that's, that's electronic and anything that, you know, is technology, because I think that's the story that starts with the Space Knights uh, coming to... I'm forgetting where where Star Lord was hanging out at the beginning of that that story, but Star Lord lets Who? them in, and uh, and the the Space Knights have actually already been compromised by the Phalanx, who are under the directive of Ultron, and then they infect the whatever it is the the Federation of Heroes or whatever the hell they call themselves, and take down all their defenses, and it starts a whole new annihilation thing. Yeah, it was so good. It was. It was really, really good both, stuff. Both of the Annihilation series were excellent. 
I kind of favor the the second one just a little bit more, just because of uh, you know it, it just had that broader scope by bringing in you know Ultron and the Phalanx and the Space Knights and all that. It, it was painting on a very large canvas at that point. But yeah, some really really good stuff. And recently, I don't know what they've done with Ultron after that. Well, they had that Age of Ultron maxi series that was like an oh, that was awful. universe, awful. yeah. And they just they, that's that's when I wiped out of my mind because it was so awful. And they just released something that I don't know if it's if it's supposed to be in canon. I don't even know what's in canon anymore with the Marvel Universe. But and with what's coming up, who knows what will be or or won't be. But there's a storyline called Rage of Ultron. And Ultron was enraged. And he ripped the little elves' lungs out. <laughs> but in this one, there's an Ultron that was ejected out into space. They're saying that it was Ultron 7. Um, and he corrupts uh, the computer on Titan, Isaac, which remember when Isaac right. corrupted Vision back in, mm-hmm. what, like Avengers 250 or 240s? Yeah, it was the, the Roger Stern run, yeah. And in this one, Ultron infects all the Eternals, so... Uh, I'm not really sh- this is something new that just came out and then there's also I think they're kind of pseudo continuing the age of Ultron storyline with something called Ultron Forever. It's hmm. like the Doctor Doom from that that timeline comes and gathers together uh Avengers from different time periods to battle that Ultron. I, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on with that either. Hmm. So, but th- there's there's some new, you know, Ultron's back in the saddle or back out there. So, you know, I've I've always found Ultron to be an intriguing character. Again, I don't want it, I, I never want it to be overused. That's always my concern is that they overdo it. But I've always felt that they've come up with very interesting ways to make it seem like, okay, now he's unbeatable. What are you going to do? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and that's the thing about it that, that I always find fun is, wow, it doesn't seem like they should be able to win this one. And then somehow they come out. And usually it's some sort of, you know, deus ex machina that they come up with. But just the same. I, I, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the ride every time. But it sounds like your experiences, Scott, might uh, might vary off mine a little. Oh, wait. There was, before we get in, there was one more. Uh, I think I showed you guys what, what one point we were going to cover the last Avenger story. And that's Ultron 59. Oh, that's yeah, a, like, yeah. That's like an Ultraverse one. It's Ultron uh, and Kang that basically are triumphant in that story. Yeah, and it's supposed to be back back when they were doing, you know, the like the in the line stories, you know, when they had the end and and stuff like that. So but I, I don't think that one that one's considered to be like an alternate earth, not not Marvel proper. But that's not a bad story. It's a two issue series called uh, The Last Avenger Story. Which, to the yeah. to the contrary, I think that's actually a very good story. Well, I, was it Scott was it was it you, Scott, that didn't like it? Or no, I've never read it. I don't oh. like the artwork in. Yeah, the art. Yeah, yeah. The art. But yeah, the story, I thought, was me. really good. It's Peter David, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never read that one. I'd like to. I think I, I have an issue. But you're gonna have you're gonna have to fight to get through the artwork in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny too because that that artist on that, uh, if it's the guy I'm thinking it is, went on to have some really you know to do some really good stuff because I think he's the one that uh, had a run on. Uh, the revival of Punisher, was it War, War Journal, I think? I can't Air think Bill. of the guy's name. Air, something Coipel or something like that? No, oh, it's not Coipel. Olivia Coipel? Coipel? No, yeah. no. Is that no. who it is? No? It's, uh, I just pulled it up. It's Ariel Olivetti? Yeah. Is he the one that worked on Punisher? No, that was, 
Oh, I I don't know about Punisher. I don't know, but song. anyway, I I know I've seen stuff of his that I liked. I just didn't like him on that book, but I think that's one of his first projects, and he was in that weird like '90s experimental phase. Okay, uh, Ariel Olivetti was on Daredevil, X Men, Space Ghost, and Punisher War Journal. Yep, thought so. Yeah, I liked his stuff on Punisher War Journal. That was a that was a good one. That was the second volume of that, I believe. But that's the one where, uh, amongst other things, uh, the Punisher killed Stiltman. Hey. That was, that was a good story. Oh, Stiltman. I didn't know he was <laughs> sick. Oh. <laughs> All right. As, as we're sitting here, there, there was a thread that was started this morning by uh, Matt Ev uh-huh. about how he was going to see the movie tonight in the UK. Mm-hmm. And in that, uh, in that uh, thread, Brian Fanning just posted, All I will say, just in from Avengers... And oh my God, that was awesome! So made this geek happy. Hmm. That's that's an excellent non-spoiler review. That's that's all I ask for. That's the way I like them. But that's that that makes me feel even better that you know somebody from our uh, our background, so one of our people, is willing to give it the uh, thumbs up. Our peeps. <laughs> so Good where to, are we going from here? Well, again, I wanted to ask because I know you know we were talking earlier, and you said. Uh, you know, you're not the biggest Ultron fan, so I wanted to get yeah. your 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 impressions of the character going into this. Uh, impressions of the character. Well, my my biggest impression is actually one of the books that we're going to be covering tonight. The um, the the second series of books, because um, I like that storyline. That to me is the ultra, you know, the ultimate Ultron story, and and I really liked that one. And with the exception of the Annihilation Conquest that you mentioned, you know, I would have been fine if Ultron, if, if this had been the last Ultron story, that that they took him off the table at the end of this particular story. Um, however, you know, like I say, I'm fine with the uh, with the Conquest one. He's just, you know, he's interesting. I always thought he was an interesting character with a lot of potential, but I think his, his potential was ultimately realized in that particular story. Beyond that, my exposure to the character has always been like, eh, you know, he's he's all right, but just not my favorite Avengers uh, villain by any stretch. Um, so it's going to be curious to see how the movie uses him, you know, utilizes him. But from what I'm seeing of it, in a lot of ways, it kind of looks like maybe they're using this storyline as their guide for that, which makes me very happy because the name of the movie being Age of Ultron, I really was concerned that they were going to use that crappy miniseries as as the basis for the story. But I remember as the story was coming out, they were saying that, no, 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 just a coincidence in the name. This this actually isn't going to be the story of the next movie. And as it turns out, that's a, a good thing because, yeah, that was not so good. So I would say the only more definitive Avengers villain than Ultron is Kang. Really? Hmm. Who 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 else would you put at that level? I mean, I, you could say Masters of Evil, but that's not a villain. That's a group, right? You could say Zemo, but he's really a Cap villain. Hmm. So then, an Avengers villain? Yeah, Kang that, is. You know, that's that is a good question. When you when you put it that way, that is a really good question because you know Ultron is one of the earliest um, ones that you know really posed a, a threat to the entire team and was recurring. Doing that, you know, along with, as you say, Kang, um, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd have to really think about that. But yeah, that's... I mean, Thanos, is, a good Thanos I think, is more wide-ranging than just the Avengers. Because yeah. he's, he's a very cosmic villain. So you could put him for the Silver Surfer. You could put him for Captain Marvel. You could put him for Warlock. Yeah, you uh, can't really... I mean, because Kang was pretty much uh, Avengers 8, I think. I mean, Baron Zemo came before him in 6. But Zemo's more of a Cap villain. Whereas right. Kang is hey, more, more of an Avengers villain. So I'm I'm putting I'm thinking Ultron to me is the number two Avengers villain. And Who does probably, number two work for? <laughs> probably easier to translate to film than Kang would be. Right. Kang Kang could get very very complex with the time travel and all. I mean that doesn't mean you can't write a great story with him, but, uh, but you know you not guys, not as easily. You don't rank the Commissar up there from issue eighteen. He he was uh, <laughs> he he didn't turn around. Alice Carr, Commissar. It's going to be really interesting as this franchise goes on to see what villains they are going to introduce into this. Because yeah, you've you something you know for for a series that ran initially 402 issues. I'm hard pressed to really think of a lot of great villains. You well, know? But, but if you think you know they're going to do two two Infinity Gauntlet uh, right. movies, so that's going to take us a number of years right there. And then if you went Masters of Evil. You know that that's taken us a long way into this franchise. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be sweating out the villains just yet. Then maybe you go Celestial Madonna. I don't know. <laughs> Yay! Celestial and maybe you go Kang. Madonna, children at your feet. <laughs> maybe you go. Maybe you go, you go Korvac Saga. Mm, boy, there's plenty of things you can do. Zodiac. I'm not really concerned about it. What's up? Actually, Cornelius Van Lunt was name dropped in. I knew that I I knew I recognized that name. Yeah, that's that's Taurus. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're right. I was. I just watched that episode today, and I'm thinking, damn, I know that name from somewhere. But I've been promising myself I'm not going to cheat when I'm watching the show. That if I catch it, I catch it, and if I don't, I don't. Oh, I I cheat when when they gave. The real name of the uh, hypnosis guy in uh, Agent Carter. I didn't recognize the name immediately, and I had to look it up to find out who he was. Dr. Mm-hmm. Faustus. Yeah, I, I didn't know that that was Dr. Faustus's real name. Oh, I didn't either. I, I just figured he was Dr. Faustus. I didn't realize that was his no, real name. They gave his name, which had been in the comics. Ah. I just didn't I was, know it. I was very pleased with myself when uh, when I realized that uh, Leland Owsley was the owl. I was like, yes. That one I knew. I that missed that, I, but but then yeah. I was like, I was like, this guy looked, you know, he kind of even looks like the owl, like yeah, he like does. an owl. Yeah, he does. Well, he but really we can't does. say anything else. Whoop, never mind. Shut it down. Paul hasn't got that far yet. Never mind. I'm not listening. Oh well, you know, Avengers villains. What about? Uh, didn't the Squadron Sinister slash Supreme? debut in the avengers yes they did They did, but i can't see them yeah getting away with that i they really gotta do can't. they gotta do hyperion with his big girdle <laughs> it's, it's a tucks, diaper it tucks the man parts in <laughs> no you know you laughed at uh you laughed at zodiac but you know there was that story that kicked off no oh, yeah shit. i mean they, what was they the were, what was the uh, name of that book that that came out right after the first avengers movie and it was it was kind of out of continuity until they dragged it into continuity. The the first story arc, beautifully drawn by Mark Bagley. I cannot remember for the life of me who the hell the writer was on it. But that first story arc was the Avengers, and it was the, the movie 
lineup. So, you know, you had Cap, Hulk, Hawkeye, all of them, Black Widow, and they fought the uh, the Zodiac. But the thing that was maddening about it was that it couldn't seem to decide, was it in continuity, was it not, not in continuity? Because they kept making continuity references, yet nobody recognized Zodiac, who they fought a hundred times. I, it was I, maddening. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Did you no, read that? No, but it, that, that annoys the hell out of me when they when they play with continuity like that. Yeah. And I, I always thought was, it, I like Zodiac as as a uh, villain team. I always thought they were the, kind of the Marvel version of the Royal Flush Gang. Kinda, yeah. Mm. But in this particular story, they had given them an updated look, so they weren't quite so ridiculous looking. You know, they didn't just look like the Royal Flush Gang. You know, like a bunch of idiots in in costume. You know, like Taurus wasn't just a guy with a big bull head. He was a he was a <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Uh, a minute a minotaur are those ones that are half man half bull yeah minotaur yeah. yeah he was a giant minotaur essentially and he looked badass i mean he was like knocking the hulk around and shit so it was i mean it wasn't bad and uh yeah i could see them if, if they could do it right I, I could see them being a genuine threat to the avengers on, on the big screen sure you know who else is a avengers villain at least i think he was um I, well he has to be an avengers villain uh grim reaper yeah because uh but of course you'd have to introduce wonder man to get him in there. I'm ready for Wonder Man. I, I, you know, after this movie, I would like to see Wonder Man come in because now that they're bringing in the Vision, I think that that would be a perfect mm. way to bring Wonder Man in. And I, I'm telling you, you know, I, I'm trying so hard not to spoil ahead on what we're covering with with Paul's selection here, but that storyline to me was like going home again because mm. that's the Avengers the way I remember them is, is you know, the the Perez era. Either one of them, either the the first one or the second one, you know the the Busiek era, but with that drama, you know, with with Scarlet Witch kind of being in between, you know, Vision and Wonder Man and all, I love that shit. I I'm I just that's that really sucks me in that soap opera aspect to it. So I would like to see more of that come to the movies as well, and uh, and I think that'd be a good way to do it is is bring in Wonder Man now that you're bringing in Vision because I'm hoping at some point in this movie there'll be a little Easter egg nod to uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision. You know, maybe she'll give him you know give him some winky eyes toward the end of the movie or something. You know, just just a little something to hint. You know, and Pietro will be all mad. Yeah, they have a strange relationship, they do. Well, they have a strange relationship in the Ultimates. Yeah, really. I heard about that. <laughs> Very strange in the Ultimates. Yeah. Well, depending on what, you know, unless you're in Alabama. So that's I'm sorry to so all our Alabama yeah. listeners. <laughs> Alabamanese. Alabamanese. Alabamanians? Albanians? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Not really. Oh. <laughs> uh. I don't know. Anybody have any more thoughts on Ultron before we get to our books? Well, what do we think of um, James Spader as the voice of what we've heard so far? I don't know if we talked about that. I think we talked about the first time. I don't know if, well, maybe we didn't. I I know I've heard Scott mention, you know, the use of the Pinocchio. Um, I liked that. Yeah. I liked that a lot. I was really surprised that when I first heard that and, and I liked it so much, I was really shocked amazed and very pleased that there wasn't an immediate geek outrage on the internet going uh stupid disney people actually seem to really embrace it which did genuinely shock me i really thought that the that the fanboys would get all up in arms about it and they didn't they they seemed to think it was just as cool as i did and that was nice that was that was a very welcome thing because you know how people are sometimes they just 
They get worked suck. up over the stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they do. They get worked up over the stupidest shit sometimes, you know. And I, I really thought that there'd be this giant outrage about it, but uh, but there wasn't. So I'm looking through old Avengers covers here to see who else I think would make good uh, good. You got Cyclop. <laughs> yeah, it is a winner. Yeah, see, I've <laughs> I've I've been looking through my official index to the Marvel Universe, my Avengers edition, and that's where I was pulling up some names. But yeah, I passed on Cyclop. You know, until they get the whole thing straightened out with uh, with the Fantastic Four and all that, they can't do the Kree Scroll War, but they could do something like it, couldn't they? They, they could do the sure. the Kree Shatari War. Yeah, or, or they could do the uh, nah, never mind. Shiar are probably X Men. They probably can't use them either. Yeah, because because there was a Kree Shiar war in the right, comics. right. Hmm. Could do here. Who's that guy? That was the chicken guy. <laughs> like in issue one fifty. Yeah, no, I know. I, yeah, I know exactly who Black you're talking Talon. about. Black Talon. Black Talon. That's it. Do I have a memory like a steel trap or what? Is is he the guy Black that resurrected uh, resurrected Wonder Man? Is that the guy That's you're talking the story about? Storyline. I think he may have been the guy. I'm right. trying to remember for sure. It had a Kirby cover, Nightmare in New Orleans. Is that the one? That's the one. Yeah, it comes bursting out of the crate like he's uh, awesome. Like Frankenstein in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. He's yeah, got a it's... giant rooster head. He's got an upside down <laughs> cross on his chest, and he's got lion hands. What that's, the hell was? Jack that's the way I'm going to Eternal Con, man. <laughs> <laughs> Because wasn't it that, that around that was that like the first appearance of the like the the Lethal Legion, which was could be a bunch of dead characters come back to life. Could be the 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 dead characters brought back to life. That was the uh, that was earlier than that. Was it Wonder Man was one of them. The original Human Torch. Uh, that was that was the first book I ever covered on Back to the Bits. Really? Was that an Avengers book? It was Giant Size Avengers number. Oh, okay. Three, That's I believe. right. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, I just. Oh, asked. Count Nefaria. I forgot about him. Oh, damn. Yeah, I but was just... it? Well, yeah, but wasn't he an X Men villain first? Because he's he's the the ones. Yeah. He was, but I don't know if they would have his. If license. they own him, yeah, because that's yeah. where Thunder where Thunderbird got killed at uh, Cheyenne Mountain. Right. Because he could have the Animen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You could have the Animen. Have Catman, Ape Man. Birdman. <laughs> well, you know what I'm noticing? I'm just flipping through cover images here, and what I'm noticing is more often than not, they're fighting each other. And yeah. that could work, too. I mean, I well, wouldn't want to see War. too that's, much of that because yeah. Civil War is coming, but yeah, I mean, that could work as well as if you know you, you found a way to, to get three or four of them that you know, are, are you know, breaking away from the, the core group or something, and then it ends up becoming a thing. Or, you know, you have a a, a, a like a quizzling scenario, you know, where there's one of them that betrays the team or some shit like that, you know, but <laughs> I don't know. It's it's going to be really interesting to see where they go with this though, to, you know, to what villains they will come up with. Cause it looks, you know, again, just, you know, flipping through these covers and, and remembering some of the storylines, a lot of it really wasn't about the big villain or the big villains. It was more about, Long, long storylines. St- storylines, yeah. Mm-hmm. It really was. I mean, e- even when you get up into the higher issues, like three fifty, uh, you know, that was when they had the 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 other uh, the other Avengers from another universe, the Gatherers. You know, that right. was in the uh, that was in the leather jacket era, right? You know, maybe we could uh, maybe we could get Avengers from another u- universe coming over. Who knows? 
Uh, I'm, I'm really not honestly. Egghead? Not Did somebody just say Egghead? I said Egghead. I'm not concerned with them running out of storylines to cover. I think that there, there's plenty out there to mine. Mm. There's, there's a lot of good stories. I mean, we could get a young Tony Stark in the Crossing. Yeah, we haven't done the Crossing yet. Well, the two things I really want to see is I want to see them fight the Masters of Evil, and I want to see them go on late night with David Letterman. <laughs> I'm not sure about the second one. <laughs> I think you will eventually see the first one. <laughs> Better hurry. I think Dave's in the new show soon. Yeah, that's true. All I right. All right. So I think it's time to start covering a book or two. Okay. Dr. Bill, you don't have a book today, right? I do have a book. Get out. But I got to go to the bathroom. Well, oh, shut my mouth. <laughs> do you? Actually, for a moment. <laughs> Bowel movement, Bill? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shut up. Quit snickering. Where's my mute button? Can't Boy ain't it. right. Yeah. He ain't right in the head. Wow. You know, I looking at some of these very late in the series covers right before the cancellation at 402 and man, some of them are rough looking. Yeah. Well, that's when they got into the the mutated wasp. Right. Oh, that was horrible. Well, the you know, uh, the other Captain Britain woman, and I mean, some, some of, of these really... some of these covers are by Mike Diodato, and I think he's a great artist. But man, he's drawn like Rob Liefeld on a lot of these covers. It looks like shit. If if you're looking at uh, at you know anything with the with the cover gallery on it, look at Avengers three eighty seven. I can do a search for that easily. I'm just looking at that, going, man, that doesn't even look like Diodato. It it's really oh, it's not good. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, introducing the wasp with the wings. Oh, she looks ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's just not good. <laughs> Time slide, the crossing. Yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, that was, that was, a, a, that was a rough time before the cancellation. you got to figure also that eventually they'll probably go into the whole, uh, you know, the new Avengers when Spider-Man joined and all of that, which I... I right. I kind of always liked Spider-Man as the occasional guest star, but not an actual Avenger. Right. I, I just, I feel like it, 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 the whole idea, you know, that, that Peter Parker is this put-upon kid who can't deal with life, you know, what life has to give him is kind of undermined by the fact that he's an Avenger. You know, when you, when you can turn to Tony Stark and Captain America to help you solve your problems, you're not going to be that same put-upon kid who's worried because you can't afford Aunt May's medicine, you know? Well, you know, at the time that stuff was coming out, I really enjoyed it, but it made me uneasy at the same time. And a lot of the reason it made me uneasy was that a lot of my friends were very vocal in their dislike of what was going on with that, you know, going, yeah, this is wrong. You know, Peter Parker should not be part of uh, the Avengers and all that. And and I mean... So I think I felt a little bit guilty about it. But in hindsight, I think a lot of what it was is I think my subconscious brain was trying to tell me that, you know, you're liking this because it's showing a progression of Peter Parker. You know, he's getting his shit together. Things are looking up for him. He's part of the Avengers. Everybody knows his his identity and everything. And my spidey sense was going off and I was ignoring it. And I I feel like such an idiot now looking back on that going, well, of course they were going to do some sort of a reboot. They weren't going to leave it 
where everybody knew who he was and he was exposed and Jay Jonah hated him and all, you know, and I loved that stuff because I thought this is a really good and ballsy move. It's good, you know, good storytelling. It's, it's finally taking the character beyond a point where he'd always been kind of stuck at in my mind. And then they did the stupid reboot and put him right back, you know, in, in the same thing again. And that, that's one of the reasons beyond the fact that I hated how they did it was, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm not really interested in something like, say, New Superman. Not only, you know, is it poorly written and all that, but it's like once you've gotten to a place where the character has moved beyond some of those things that had always been stumbling blocks for them, like a romance with a particular person or something like that, you push that reset button and it's like, I'm not interested in watching that develop again, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, already... no, I know what you're talking about. It, it, it becomes hard sometimes to deal with that shit. It's hard. But, but you, you, you know, I kind of thought Spider-Man's inclusion in the Avengers was positive from the ability of the of, of for them to say to for them to tell good Avengers stories. Right. But negative from the point of view of telling good Spider-Man stories. Well, it kind of brought something I'm kind of jumping in the middle here that they didn't really have any well, let me well, I guess you could say caps a street level, but they didn't really have any street level people. I mean, maybe Luke Cage, but well, he was introduced the same. Well, he time. came at the same time. Yeah. Right. So that like, and well, Moon Knight is kind of a, a street level. Yeah, but he wasn't in. Was he brought in at that time, or was he? He wasn't I mean, in that. He was long actually before. brought in, but he didn't join, and then he joined later. But he also, you know, he's another character that I, I feel works better as a solo hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't necessarily like him as an Avenger. I, I kind of liked when you know there were characters who just would never be Avengers. That's all. You know, now every it seems like every Marvel character at one point or another has been an Avenger. Yeah. Including members of the Fantastic Four, members of the X-Men. Yeah. Woe to George Perez the next time he has to make one of those giant posters with every member on it. Well, he might as well just draw the whole Marvel like universe. The cover of Crisis. Well, right. Then if, can, then if you count the, the uh, Avengers Initiative, which, you know, well, they just named it the Initiative, but... Uh, but it was branded the Avengers Initiative for a while when they had all the 50 state teams. And all oh, that. yeah, mm-hmm. all those shitty characters nobody cares about. Yeah. And then that's I fight into some of the posters. posters. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to see that. All right. So, why has Aunt May never been an Avenger? What's was that? she? Why has Aunt May never been an Avenger? Well, she did uh, do the. She was a Herald of Galactus, though. She did, she did dance ugly with Jarvis. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go back to the bathroom now. Went <laughs> out after that. <laughs> oh, man, she's banging everybody. Getting you excited? Because isn't she doing? Uh, or is that the Ultimate Universe? I don't remember. Is isn't she like uh, doing it with J. Jonah Jameson's dad? That's in the regular universe. She married. How him. is his father even still alive? Yeah, it's, I, I kind of wonder that myself. I guess How? I guess they're retconning it to make Jameson younger than you would think he was. Yeah, maybe, but- maybe he's supposed to be like in his forties. <laughs> In the Pulse, he referenced that Bucky was one of his heroes growing up as a kid. Sliding so time scale. Yeah, bullshit. It's all bullshit. <laughs> no, come on. Say it right. It's all bullshit. <laughs> Anyways, so you got a book, Bill? <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've done this before. Yes, I have a book. And uh, kind of tying into the upcoming movie... Uh, we're actually going to be looking at Avengers number 57, volume one. And, uh, we have a, an extra special guest appearing in this for the first time. And that's the vision who will also be in the upcoming movie, which, um, 
from the pictures I've seen, it looks a lot like the uh, the 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 comic vision that he's going to be. Well, of course, he looks a little purple, but uh, I don't know how they're going to. Well, of course, you know, we couldn't we didn't think they they could pull off a talking raccoon. So I guess they can pull, pull off a guy. Well, they got Yondu. He's blue. So I guess a purple guy isn't going to be that far beyond the stretch of imagination. So but anyway, our information comes from Mike's Amazing World. And uh, our uh, well, actually, I just want to go back to the front cover. Don't worry. This isn't going to be like a con synopsis. So I'm actually using one from my book. Uh, but this is now this has been aped in a few other issues maybe you guys can pull it off the top of your heads i can't think at the moment but it's got the vision standing with uh overlooking all the avengers is in the cloud of smoke and uh he's all in red and below him is um uh looks like cap no no it's not cap's not down there i believe that's black panther okay there's a bigger picture yeah it's black panther goliath or giant man excuse me or is it or goliath um the wasp yeah and black panther and hawkeye Mm-hmm. Where's Cap? He's Cap. Still Cap. He's standing on him. Oh my God! Yeah, because he is a rather large vision, and it says, "Behold the vision." And this was uh, cover date October 1968. I wasn't even around yet. Well, actually, let's see. carry the one. No, I wasn't even around. Nope. Oh, I might have just been around. Somebody was probably working on me. Ew. Little baby Bill. Ew. I was probably a. I was a fetus. Baby bookless Bill. Baby bookless bowel movement bill. <laughs> On sale date August eighth. Cover price twelve cents. This is half the price of a requisite of a Professor Allen book. Amazing. With a penny to spare. <laughs> With a penny to spare. Yes. And our artist on the cover is John Buscema, and inside our writer is Roy Thomas, penciler again John Buscema, inker George Klein, letterer Sam Rosen. And you can find this not only in Volume 1, Issue 57, but in Marvel Treasury, Number 7, Marvel Super Action, Avengers Ultron Unleashed, Number 1, Essential Avengers Volume 3, etc., etc., etc. So, our synopsis, which I am reading from the official index of the Marvel Universe Avengers book. An unearthly creature attacks Janet Van Dyne in her apartment, then inexplicably collapses. Examining the unconscious attacker back at Avengers Mansion, Goliath discovers the being is an artificial human. The android, dubbed The Vision, awakens, and after demonstrating his powers, informs the Avengers that Ultron 5 sent him to destroy them. The repentant Vision leads the Avengers to the villain's headquarters, unaware that Ultron has lured them into a trap. A hulking robot defeats Goliath, and Ultron traps the others in a shrinking room with indestructible walls. Turning intangible, the Vision escapes and orders Ultron to release the heroes. Ultron attacks the Vision, foolishly revealing that the electrodes on either side of his head are his only vulnerability. As Ultron lunges at him, the Vision turns intangible, causing Ultron to strike a wall headfirst and explode. Ultron's robot collapses and the Avengers are freed, though they fear that if Ultron's head, and specifically the Electros, remain intact, he might return. Sometime later, a boy finds and plays with Ultron's severed head, casually breaking the vital Electrodes, and the day is saved. And I just love this book, although I didn't love it enough to do a synopsis because everybody knows I take way too long to do a synopsis. (laughs) So that's why I figured it'd be better for me to read one. 
You were asking about cover homages. Uh, probably the most famous one, the one I think is the best one anyway, is uh, West Coast Avengers number 45, John Byrne. Is that uh, where he's all in white? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because that's when he gets re- he gets torn apart by the government. This was after, uh, we talked mentioned earlier, when he was taken over by Isaac. And finally in West Coast Avengers, what the government comes back. And uh, they basically tear him apart because they want to figure out, you know, make sure he doesn't do it again. And they put him back together. And for some reason, he's all white and pale when they put him back together. Yep. I don't remember why they explained that. What was the reason for why he lost his coloring? He got a problem with white. <laughs> why has it got to be a white thing? I don't remember, to be honest with you. Yeah. I always was fond of that, though, because, well, for one, you know, Burns' run on West Coast was just awesome. But uh, the four-player um, Captain America and the Avengers arcade game had that version of the Vision. Oh, as yeah, one of that's right. characters in it. Oh, 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 oh. oh sorry. That was Warwarland. <laughs> I love that game. I wish I wish I could have bought it from you, but it'd be... My wife would kill me if I'd bought that. <laughs> My wife was about to kill me. That's why I got rid of it. How much did you... Do you want to say how much you sold that for? I'm trying to remember what I got out of it. How I much did I you got, buy it for? $25 for the for the unit, and then I paid $35 to, for the new power... Because all it needed was a power supply. What? So altogether, I had a, I had a... What is that? $60 investment in it. Oh. Uh. And I got, I'm trying to remember, it was five or $600 out of it when uh, I finally got rid of it, yeah. Uh, that would have yep. gone good in my garage. Uh, it, was, it was in beautiful condition. But yeah. Uh. <laughs> so so what, do we, what do we think of this book? Uh, I have some thoughts about specific things and then some thoughts overall. Uh, I really don't like the way the women are written in this story. I think the Wasp is written, first of all, she's written as the helpless female when the Vision comes in. No, oh, yeah. no, stay back. I know, she's, she's got her back against the wall. She's cringing. <sighs> she's, she's like a simpering, powerless woman, which is just, you know, she's supposed to be a superhero. I don't like her written that way. Then Hank comes in to save her and she acts like a real bitch. You know, thanks for smashing my window. You know, hey, you know, f*** you. Deserve <laughs> <laughs> a smack. <laughs> well, you, know, you, you think it would be the o- other way around that that she would be, you know, mo- oh, sorry, you know, like 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 when Hank comes in, she's like, oh, oh, yeah. don't hit me, don't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't like the way the Black Widow is. No, we're not making fun of domestic abuse before anybody goes down well, that. Why road. not? <laughs> I, I don't like the way the Black Widow is written either. <laughs> she's she's written as another one. You know, what love life? It's been weeks since we had dinner together. Since you know, when does she, she... She's like pining over Hawkeye? No, no. Yeah. She's supposed to be... You know, you don't want to be with me? F you. I can go with any other number of guys. You know what I mean? She's not supposed to be sitting there waiting for him. That's that... Yeah, that's that weird... That's that old older outfit she had. Yeah, the... The... Uh, the uh, not the, the slinky like black... She's 1940s superhero. Cat suit? Is that what it is? With the... With the... Whatchamacallit? That was with the... The, the fishnet stockings and shoulder yeah. and arm covering and the big pointy <laughs> mask yeah and, and, and a cape please a big w for widow and who did her who did her hair oh my god and her earrings she's got a big she's she's got a big b on her earrings black widow <laughs> oh, terrible uh. <laughs> yeah she, she was i mean she was written terribly and uh and and the wasp was written terribly too so i i, I they lose credit for that and you know what uh, like a, a a marvel trope that i don't like is the, 
Oh, this person said this when they saw me. I'll take that as my name. Yeah, because she says some type of unearthly vision. She hmm. called me Vision, so that will be my name. It's the Good thing she didn't call you Dickhead when you came through. <laughs> what? Good <laughs> thing she didn't call him Dickhead when he came through. He comes walking and she's like, who's this? I shall be the <laughs> But they, they did the same thing with the Hulk. They did the same thing color. with the Abomination. They did the same thing with the Thing. Change my color to brown. No, sorry. Well, yeah, just you imagine the if black. the Fantastic Four had first appeared in the South, he'd be the Thang. I, I just, I love the the Norm Macdonald thing where they all uh, get their names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be Mister Fantastic. It's, it's well, Sue is a woman who can get invisible. We'll call her the Invisible Woman. You're a human who can light up in flame. We'll call you the Human Torch. You are a big rocky thing, so we'll call you the Thing. I can get all stretchy. We'll call me Mister Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so, you do you think the Black Panther broke his feet when he uh, kicked that guy in the face through the windshield? Because considering the time frames, uh, I didn't think they had safety glass in the 60s. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's some pretty thick shit. That's it. He's, he's, he's severed arteries and he's done. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's, he's ripped up his Achilles tendons. He's done. You know? Because I... Face of glass. He's yeah. got a face full of glass. Yeah, I mean, because I had a '58 Ford Fairlane and with the wraparound wind windshield, and and it was so thick that when cars would go by in the turn in the windshield, they would get all distorted. And I was like, man, am I taking my life in my hands driving in this car? But uh, luckily, the engine blew up. But that's another story for another day. The the other negative I have for this story, and and it will be probably my last negative because other than that, I really like this story a lot. Uh, is how quickly they're willing to trust the vision. Right. You know, it, it's like, well, we know we're going to make him into a hero, so we'll have the other heroes trust him right away. He was sent there, he attacked her, and what, because he collapsed, we're now going to just trust him? Well, plus he, he even says that, oh, yes, he programmed me. So what makes him think that they couldn't? he couldn't program to, to fool you again? Yeah, yeah they are pretty uh, lackadaisical and, and, you know, just, yeah, yeah, okay, great. Sure, you're a good guy. Other than those points that I've made, I really like the story. I like the artwork. I like the way the story goes. It's got a lot of action in it. Uh, I, I, you know, again, other than the way the women characters are written, I think it's well written. It's a, it's a solid, solid book. But there's just those couple of weaknesses to it. I was just wondering why they couldn't get a. I mean, Ultron's a little stupid because he knows what the Vision can do. Can he? He built him. Supposedly. And then, he, and then he, he built him and he programmed him so that he'd come back and bring the Avengers to him. Wow. <laughs> so if he built him, why, why wouldn't you put a failsafe mechanism into him to destroy him? Why would you physically lunge at him? Now, I guess, you know, Ultron's not the smartest. At this, Ultron 5 was not the smartest Ultron in the book, I guess. Now, the issue after this is the... Uh, even an android can cry issue, and that's where they basically give yeah. you the the origin of Ultron, and you find out. It, well, I'm trying to remember. You know, you, ba you basically find out how he brainwashed uh, Hank Pym to uh, to forget all about him. Yeah, and I think that's when it's first revealed that Hank created him. I don't think it's in here, is it? Was it in? Yeah, I actually read the the both. You know the both of them uh, back to back because I, I kind of consider this to be a two part story. Um, so that is told in flashback in, uh, in the very next issue about 
Hank creating him. And hey, hey, uh, in that initial story, uh, Ultron looked like a cross between... Um, trash can and... Uh, yeah, like a trash can and a tiki or something. He's <laughs> just freaky looking. Yeah, he's, he's, and he's very like, bizarre. Yeah, he says, Dada or father. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, here we go for uh, Avengers 58. The Avengers gather to consider the Vision for membership after demonstrating his powers to Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. The Vision probes his memories to address the hero's apprehension about his mysterious past. Goliath only vaguely remembers creating his own synthetic creature, and the Avengers go to his suburban lab to investigate. The heroes learn that Goliath created Ultron, and that Ultron used Wonder Man's stolen brain patterns to create the Vision. The heroes return to Avengers Mansion and admit the Vision to their ranks. Hmm. And then he cries like a bitch. <laughs> I'm an Avenger now. I'm so happy. I don't know why. I stole some. I have somebody else's brain. Brain. Hank what is Pym brain? looks like a total pug in this issue. He looks like Happy Hogan throughout the entire issue. I'm noticing. It's something I was thinking about not long ago that that I actually like about this era of Avengers, and and that I kind of lament that it's been dropped and. All of the heroes these days are, are drawn to be extremely young. As I remember, a lot of the heroes, particularly I can remember, uh, I think I'm pretty sure Hawkeye was one of them. I know Tony Stark was one of them. Where in the early issues of Avengers, they would bitch a lot about how old they were getting. I'm just, you know, it was basically, it was like Danny Glover syndrome. I was just getting too old for this <laughs> shit. You know, they'd, they'd say that like every couple of issues, you know? And I actually kind of like that. I mean, there, there are some panels here. Now, I'm talking about the next issue. I'm looking at 58 here. But there are some panels here where Hank Pym looks like he is well past his prime. I don't, are either of you guys looking at 58? I'm not. Uh, no. But, yeah, there's a, there's a page here where he is, uh, where he's, it's all in flashback, but where he's battling the first Ultron and realizing that he has made a mistake, that this thing is dangerous and he's trying to destroy it. And there's one point where he's yelling at Ultron, and he he looks like he could easily be in his 60s. Uh, does in, he look in like Michael one. Douglas? He does, actually, a little yeah. bit. There you go. A little bit, like Michael Douglas with red hair. Yeah, he really does. But uh, so we can yeah, just it's, just, get, it's interesting. We could just get Danny Glover to play the Black Panther in this issue. One thing that, that I know my ankles jumping through that windshield. With both of these issues, and maybe this is just because I've been reading a lot of uh, Roy Thomas lately, you know, you know, because of another show that I do. But this has a certain, um, I won't say timelessness necessarily, but I actually have to look these up. Like look in the Indicia or look on something like Mike's Amazing World to place when they took place. Because it wasn't until uh, rereading Avengers 57... And looking at the indicia that I realized that it's as old as I am. It came out in 1968, and so did I. And I was just like, damn, you know, it doesn't it doesn't read that way. Because, I mean, I, I read, like, say, DCs from that period, and they're very juvenile. And I don't right. think either one of these stories are. I, I, in a lot of ways, they're, uh, I won't say contemporaneous, but they're definitely ahead of their time. They feel, when I read both of these issues, if... You know, if I hadn't cheated and looked in the indicia and somebody said, hey, when did those stories come out? I would have placed these stories in like 78 as opposed to 68. They're way ahead of their their time in the in the storytelling, but particularly the art style as well. well and John uh, Seymour was really good. Oh, yeah, he is. And, and both the writing and the art 
come together to really be way ahead of uh, of their time uh you know for other comics that were on the stands at the same time and i think the storytelling holds up really well um you know the only serious criticism i would have of either one of these issues is uh really comes down to more of a criticism of uh Wright thomas's style of writing as opposed to the particular issues themselves it's just you know, God bless him. I love Roy Thomas, but Jesus Christ, dude, you don't need a thousand words in every panel. And he just did. He just loved to write, which is not a bad thing. I mean, you know, I mean, we often bitch and complain about how comics these days are like a pamphlet. There's nothing to them. These are a meaty read. I mean, it takes you a, a time to get through them. So I just would like something more of a, of a balance there, you know? Because a lot of times I'm noticing with with books like this is that, uh, you know, you have this beautiful Buscema art in here, but a lot of times it's very cluttered and and has to be kind of moved around a little bit to make way for all of the exposition that's going on. So I I think if, you know, if Thomas had cut back on that a little bit, it would have showcased the art that much more. But that said, I mean, there are some really, really uh, great shots yeah, because if you look at issues. if you look at page six to where Goliath, uh, not Goliath, Hawkeye and Black Widow are talking, you got five panels, <laughs> and if you were to condense all the words on this page into you know just put them right in all the word balloons right next to each other, I think it would probably take up at least what do you think half this page? Yeah, at least yeah. <laughs> Man, I yeah. mean, it's just it's really dense. And it this is. and this today would be just you know one or like well you wouldn't have well this this one page could almost be a whole issue, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the a, a lot of it when it comes you know I, I like say you know turn to the next page page seven you know when you've got Black Panther walking here again there's a lot of exposition there but it actually works into the story it's some insight into the character and his motivations and what he's thinking and everything whereas the scene before it with hawkeye and black widow is just word heavy for the sake of being word heavy it's just a lot of banter but it's not really moving anything forward no no it's just it's just drama between yeah you know and that's the sort of thing that that i really you know i could do without but it is kind of for marvel for this time is, you know, putting it, it is more drama with the characters, I guess, more of a real life or not real life. You guys know, know what I mean when I say that, you know, right. Whereas DC compared to and Marvel compared at this time, it was more realistic or angsty, I guess you might want to say. And this is just the tension between these two characters. I'd be really curious to look at any of the seventies Marvel reprint books that reprinted this issue because a lot of those reprint books took to um, editing the books. They, they cut like a page or two out of each story um, Mm. to, so that they could have more ads in the book. And I'd be very curious that if they did that with this issue, where those cuts would have been because 10 bucks says that they cut this scene with Hawkeye and black widow. Yeah. I I wish I thought to check that before we uh, sat down to record because I'd be really curious. Now, I could be wrong, but isn't this one of the stories, maybe the only story that's in that um, paperback 
reprint that they did where it has that really beautiful painted cover of the vision coming out of the wall on it. Either you guys know what I'm talking about? No, I'm not sure I do. Well, hold on. I'll go back to what it was. Let's see if I can uh, find it here because I... It was one of those, I think they called them Marvel Comics Illustrated Books or something like that. This is reprinted in Marvel Masterworks Volume 71, uh, Avengers Volume 6. Let me see if there's a cover for that. Nope, that's not it. Oh, uh, maybe it's this one. Vision, Yesterday and Tomorrow Trade Paperback. Uh, Let me put the link here. You take a look. This is wonderful podcasting. (laughs) It is. It's truly riveting. I'll be truncating the hell out of this. See if that's it. No, that's not it. No, oh, this is okay. from the, this is from like the seventies. So, damn, I can't think of the name of it. I thought it was Marvel Comics. It's like Marvel Comics Illustrated Version something something. God, I don't know. So just... so, but let's 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 jump a little bit more into this story overall. And uh, does anybody have any more comments on the characterization, how the characters are written, how the story develops? Anything along those lines? Anybody? Anyone at all? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> Bueller? Bueller? Well, I must uh, say, you know, I, I kind of like I kind of like Vision right out of the gate on this. I always I always did. I, I like the way his uh, his character is written. It's funny because you know there's so many parallels between the Avengers and uh, the Justice League, and the Justice League had their own android character who red, was red as well. Red, you know, Red, red Tornado. Tornado. Yeah. Never really took to him. Um, and they are so very similar, but I just I always felt like the characterization of the vision was was much better uh, in comparison with uh, with Red Tornado. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I kind of always. But then I, I was more of a Marvel reader. So I was familiar with the vision before I was familiar with the Red Tornado. So that might be part of my reasoning. Mm-hmm. But I always, I always found them to be a more interesting character, and you know, characters like the Vision, and and you know, like they originally went to, uh, you know, the new lineup in the Avengers when they got rid of the, uh, you know, the powerhouses. Characters like this were were created or used in the Avengers so that they could have their entire storyline here, and they didn't have to share them with an ongoing series. Right. So that that was, I thought that was critical to to the success of the book back then was they needed to always have characters in there that they could play a little bit more with and that they didn't have to worry about, you know, syncing it up with what was going on in their solo book. Right. So I'm I'm, like, I'm very confident that's why Roy Thomas created this character. Uh, You know, I I thought he rushed it a little bit. You know, we, we, we talk and we complain about decompressed stories, but the fact that, you know, like you go within a, a distance of like four or five pages and, you know, you go from him attacking the Wasp to them saying, yeah, why don't you go and show us how to do this? You know, <laughs> right. It just happens a little too quickly. That's that's my biggest criticism of it. But otherwise, I think it's a great introduction of this character. And, and they make him seem like a real powerhouse in here, too. Yeah, I mean, because if you think of his of his power set, he's got... He's got the density. He's got the strength. He's got the tangibility. He's got the uh, the solar gem. I mean, did we even get to the solar uh, the solar gem in this at all? I don't. Uh, I think he does is shoot flames out of. Uh, I don't think it's really. Where is it? it was with the Black Panther. Uh, oh no! Yeah, he does. Uh, he shoots at the wasp. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbearable. Well, it's funny. You know, I was talking about the parallels between Avengers and and Justice League, and what's funny is that. 
Although, as I say, you know, the Vision is the android character for Avengers, and uh, and Red Tornado is the android character for the Justice League. If I if I truly wanted to compare him to another member, though, you know, a member of that team, I would actually compare him more closely to Martian Manhunter, because as you say, he oh, has yeah, a he pretty does. awesome power set. But much like Martian Manhunter, he never really. I, I mean, I can't think of a lot of instances where he really unleashed all that much. It was almost like they didn't know what to do with him a lot of times. Would you agree with that? I would, and mm-hmm. I, I think part of the fear was if you had him unleashed too much, the villains wouldn't be as threatening. Right. And a lot of times I think you had to take him off the table so that you could uh, have the villain, you know, wreak havoc on some of the other characters. Right. You know, that, that, that's the danger you run when you make a character too powerful. So you know the you, you know you that that's why they always had to put try and put the you know the the fatal flaw you know Tony Stark's weak heart or you know that Thor if he let it put his hammer down for more than a minute he turned into Don Blake because they didn't know how to deal with these characters unless they gave him some fatal flaw some weakness that that the villains could exploit against them. So I guess the Vision's fatal flaw is that he's Pinocchio. Well, the the Vision's fatal flaw as things went on was one. He needed to be recharged from sunlight, so if you could keep oh, him away right. from sunlight, he would lose his strength. Oh, and so he two, was they gave him that claustrophobia. Oh, no, they, Ultraman couldn't be in sunlight. He had claustrophobia? Oh, it's been so... Which, which was tied into... Uh, that was around the time of the Celestial Madonna storyline, mm. and it was tied into the fact that, at least at that time, his body was recreated from the original Human Torch, and they, it was like flashbacks to having... Oh, when he was buried. ...having been sealed in concrete. That's right. Yeah, I've I've always yeah. liked liked the Vision and the Scarlet Witch as a team because uh, when I was, I think I might have mentioned in the past before that one of the things that my mom really liked, uh, comic book wise on the DC side, it was the Amethyst books, but she really liked uh, the Vision and the Scarlet Witch for some reason, um, and helped me track down when I was young. Uh, the uh, I think back then it was just the four issue miniseries and then later was the 12 and then a lot of the Avengers issues. So yeah, I've, I've, I've always liked the vision as a character and you know, thought he was pretty cool. Oh, and that's, he's actually not using his gem on that page on the wasp. He's using something I didn't even realize he had his thermoscoptic eyes. Yeah. Well, the, the gem is to absorb the light. I thought he fired from it too, but I guess I not. don't think so. I don't remember him firing from it. Hmm. From his gem? Yeah. You mean in this in this story or or ever? I don't remember him shooting from gem in any story. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen him shoot beams from that gem. Yeah, like yeah, like one solid beam out of there. I I thought. I don't. I remember him shooting beams from his eyes, but I never remember him shooting beams from the gem. Maybe because I I remembered it from from the gem and not his eyes. Yeah, Yeah. I could be mistaken. Oh, you're mistaken, and you'll like it. You're wrong, Spataro, and I can prove it. You go yeah. ahead. <laughs> if I can find it. <laughs> I'm looking too. I'm looking for his powers. But in the meantime. And in between time. That's okay. I think we can move along to your book, Paul. I think you didn't rate this one. Oh, rate it. Oh, well, it's... I think maybe, maybe you ought to do your job first. Ah, my job. My job, my schmob. Well, to cover, like, uh... he can cry from his robot eyes. <laughs> I'm an Avenger. I'm so happy. Uh, you really like me. And then he me. rusted, and you, had to, you heard him say, oil can. <laughs> Scarlet Witch, oil me. Whoa. Oh. Uh, cover. 
even though it's really only got one color scheme, I'm still going to give this one, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it an A minus. And the story, oh, well, Roy Thomas, I mean, take you forever to read this book. It's, I love it. I love like it. That's why you're whole. <laughs> Two readers went in, one reader came out. Uh, I'm also going to give, you know, because we've got the introduction of the vision, we've got Ultron. Yeah, the writing a little bit. Eh, I'm going to bump it down a little bit for the portrayals of the women. So I, I'm probably going to give it a B plus. And the art, you know, I mean, we did say that some of the uh, the, the, the people look, you know, a little bit older. Or, but I don't really think they're off character. So I'm still going to give give the art an A as well. So overall, the book's an A for me. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually on solid A for the cover. I think this is an iconic cover. It's an often imitated cover. I think it's one that that's. I just think it's a, it's a really really solid cover. Uh, the interior art I also think is very very solid. Uh, I, I the fact that they drew characters as a little older looking. I don't see that as a negative. In fact, I see it more, as more of a positive. Uh, I think the action flows really really well. Uh, you know, my biggest complaint art wise is the Black Widow's costume, but that wasn't created here. It's just drawn here. Uh, so I'm going to say the interior art I'm giving an A as well. Uh, the story I think is pretty solid. I my biggest criticism is how the women are written and how quickly the story progresses. That I feel it should be decompressed more. So like you, I'm going to take a little bit off of that and give it only an A minus on the story. So overall A. Scott, I can't really argue with uh, with any of that. Um... I think this is uh, it's a classic. It's one of the quintessential uh, Avengers classic stories. You know, um, the cover is uh, I think it's the very definition of uh, of a classic cover. Uh, I've always liked this one quite a bit. The interior art. Um, I was just really really impressed with the interior art on this. I mean, I've you know I've, you know read it before. But in rereading it and kind of rediscovering it, uh, I was impressed all over again uh, with the art right from the opening splash page. I've always really liked that shot of, uh, you know, Vision walking up and then he takes to the air and there's just that, mm. that great aerial shot of him, uh, you know, flying into the air. I just love that, you know, and the rain's coming down and all that. I mean, plus he's classically gripping his his cape. yeah. But I just like that, you know. I I like his whole look. I I like his dynamic. I like the kind of you know that that stern, scowly look that he's got, and everything about him. He just he strikes a very dynamic, uh, a dynamic figure. And I think sometimes we don't appreciate just how tough it was for these artists working in comics at this time to make things look really good, you know, with, they were dealing with crappy paper and poor printing techniques and only a few colors in their palette and just all the limitations of the day as compared to how slick and sleek and glossy and beautiful everything is today. And so to make something look really dynamic back during this time, I, I think that just, you know, it, it's that much cooler, you know, and I just I really like the art in this quite a bit. I don't know that I'm crazy about the inks on this, but thankfully the art is strong enough that that it shines through um, those inks regardless. So uh, I'd give a definite A to the cover. Um, 
I think I'm going to go just slightly lower on the interior A minus, and that's really I think because of the inks. The the inks just look a little bit strange to me, um, but the pencils are fantastic, and the story, and the story's tougher to grade because it is a classic. I, I really like it, and I don't want to seem like I'm down on it, but I agree with a lot of what you said, Paul. Is that it? It's weird. It's like super super packed full of just so much wordage and verbiage and exposition and everything else but at the same point um it it moves really fast whereas it actually could have been padded out a little bit you know where they were i would have liked to have seen this story develop over several issues where the vision comes in is, is he a bad guy isn't he a bad guy and you don't really get any of that. He comes in strong as a bad guy, and then by the end of the issue, he's a member of the team, essentially. And it's like, well, that was fast, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, they should have spread it out a little bit more. Now, thankfully, you know, they did kind of continue the story the next issue. Um, but if you didn't really know that, I mean, this this one issue does kind of stand on its own as well. So, um. An actual letter grade on the story. I'm going to, you know, just taking into account who it's written by, when it's written for, everything like that. I, I think I'd still have to, you know, in all fairness, I think I'd probably have to still go with an with an A, you know, just taking those different factors into account. Maybe an A minus, you know, just for the criticisms that I pointed out. But overall, I mean, just a, a true solid classic and... uh and it kills me that I don't I don't have this book in my collection. I had a chance to get one a couple of years ago at a at a um, uh, Goodwill of all places, and somebody beat me to the damn thing. But uh, I, this is one of those books I'd really like to have in my collection one of these days. I'd have to take a quick look, but I believe I do own a hard copy of this one. I imagine this one's about to climb with the I movie so. coming out and everything. <laughs> it's probably oh, wow. You know, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I I I know I have this one. I've had this for a long time. I believe I have the Marvel, whatever the reprint title was, Super Action, I think. I think I have yep. that. Super Action 18. Yeah, I think I have that, but I don't believe I have the original, unfortunately. All right, and I guess we'll call a close to Avengers 57 with that and move on to our next book. Did you see that image I sent you from Avengers 197? Oh, yes, yes, I have to say uh, I have been proven for a very, very rare instance incorrect. <laughs> Scott sent a very poorly drawn picture of the Vision shooting uh, a ray out of his gem. And it looks kind of dopey to me, but it, they did it. And what's he doing? Heating coffee. How <laughs> oh, stupid. I couldn't pull that up. It's making me sign in to Skype with my Microsoft account. What? Go ahead, That's, sign in. No, I'm not Use your that. PayPal account. <laughs> <laughs> that looks to me like, um, like Ditko. Who drew... Uh, no, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I think Jarvis looks very Ditko right there. Who drew Avengers 197, I wonder? Let's Hold see. on. That, that's what it's from? That's where I... The page I found it on said Avengers... What it was is really funny. Let me see if I still have it pulled up because it was actually very funny. It said... Carmine Infantino layouts. Uh, really? Uh, the, the, the George Perez cover pencils, Bob McLeod cover inks. Inking by Brett Breeding, Al Milgram, and Vin, Vinnie Coletta. Mm. 
Yep. Wow. Yeah, I could see that being Conway Infantino, actually. I would have come up with that. The page I found this on, it's uh, berkeleyplaceblog.com, and it says, it says Avengers 197. It shows the panel. Here's the, here's the setup for this, folks. You've got the Vision standing there just totally, you know, stolid like he is, and he's zapping the you know the solar his solar gem in his forehead is sending a ray out of it and Jarvis is standing next to him going I appreciate you're heating the percolator with your solar gem master vision I know the others would probably accept tea but Iron Man does so like his <laughs> Colombian expre- excelso what is that excelso and the caption underneath it just says I'm pretty sure this is the first time vision used his solar gem beam and I'm pretty sure it's the only time he used it to boil water. <laughs> I got the image, yeah. <laughs> that is yeah, funny. Yeah, that does look like good old Carmine. I, yeah, I just, I don't see, I, I really didn't think that was Carmine. To me, I it looks would, like I uh, Carmine out of, out of thin air on it. No, no, it's, no. It's I when mean... I'm told Carmine and then I say, okay, yeah, I can see it. Hmm. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't have identified that as Carmine. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. So I was wrong. He did do it. I think it would have been much more effective if they drew it coming out of his eyes. But you know, that's that. That was. Well, I've definitely. Debate. I'm not. Debate I'm not arguing with you on, on that. I definitely have seen him use his solar beams out of his eyes as well. I was never arguing that. No, and and but, the, debate, uh, the debate wasn't which makes more sense. The debate was has it been done, and you were correct. Right. But no, I I I know I've seen him use it out of his eyes more frequently than his gem. But I thought I had seen at least a couple of times where he used the gem as well. In the maybe the reason I'm thinking that is I I think in the game I think when you used because there was a certain mm-hmm. attack that all the heroes had where you would hit jump and then whatever the other button was hit or punch or whatever. If you jumped in the air and then hit the the hit button while they were in the air, they had a special attack like Cap would fling his shield and stuff. And I think the vision special attack was he would he would fire his solar gem. Now I completely forgot about that, so that's probably why I'm, I was so adamant about it. No, I hope you're happy. You've embarrassed me and made me look good. <laughs> it's my mission in life. It's okay, uh, it's, it's okay, little pig boy, with your little Skype picture. <laughs> put that pig. back just for you guys. <sighs> Thanks, because I know how much you love it. Thanks. I was already having trouble sleeping. I appreciate that. No, uh, you're not supposed to be thinking about me when you're sleeping anyway, dude. Oh, but I like to think about you. And you got a lovely lady laying right next to you. Don't <laughs> me. You roll over, it's me in a wig. Hi, honey. <laughs> yeah, your worst nightmare. Then, then you wake up, and then you roll over again, and it's Chris Honeywell. <laughs> oh my god! And then I wake up screaming. Well, that's that's one of those ones though. Like you know, you're laying there. You you roll over and it's Bill with a wig. You 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 wake up screaming that it was a nightmare and you start to t- tell Missy Missy I just had the worst dream. Bill it was Bill in a, in, a, in, a, in a wig and she turns around and it's Chris Honeywell in a wig and then you get up <laughs> screaming again that it's it's this continuation of the same nightmare. I'm just, I'm just stuck in a cycle. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so for our second book of the night, <laughs> follow that up. For our second book of the night, I chose Avengers Volume 3, number 22, from November of 1999, which had a cover price of $1.99, when comics were still at least somewhat affordable. Still more money than I want to pay. Even $1.99 is more than I want to pay, but that's what's <laughs> I'd Co- pay it now. The cover yeah. on the book is by George Perez, and it's a shot looking down on Ultron, standing triumphant with both, both fists pumped in the air, and he's standing over the unconscious body 
bodies of the Avengers. And the only colors on the uh, cover are the silver of Ultron's body and everything else is in shades of red. The story is titled This Evil Triumphant and it's by Kurt Busiak and George Perez. Uh, there are other credits there, but really, who cares? Uh, the, story, the story opens in the country of Slovenia and UN troops are destroying nests of Ultron cyborgs. The, Ultron, the Avengers are there and they're bat battling Ultron they were attacked by a horde of Ultrons and are in the heat of battle with them. After the opening page, we have a two-page splash with Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, and Firestar and the Black Panther, all back to back to back in a circle, with an army of Ultrons attacking them from all sides. The story then cuts back to Avengers Mansion, where Jarvis is awakened by a priority alert saying that Alchema 2, who is the follow-up to Jocasta at uh, Ultron's attempt to create a, uh, a lover uh, artificial intelligence for himself. And uh, as we discussed earlier, she, she was uh, based on the brain patterns of Mockingbird. And the report is saying that she's escaped federal incarceration. Jarvis looks for Justice, who should be in the mansion, but he isn't. He says that Justice, who has a broken leg at this point, left after reviewing some files of a battle that the Avengers had had with AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics. And we cut to Ultron's lair, where Ultron has the vision captured and sees that his brain has been modified by life's experience since the time that he was created, way back in Avengers 57, which I think some of us are familiar with now. We then see other captured Avengers, Wonder Man, Scarlet Witch, Giant Man and the Wasp, as well as the unconscious Grim Reaper. Hank is whining about how he created Ultron and how he's responsible for him because he based his mind on his own brain patterns, blah, 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 wah, wah, wah. So Ultron is essentially him, stripped of conscience and morality. But that makes it not him. <laughs> and that's the problem I see with that whole logic, but okay. Cut back to Thor destroying an Ultron, and they realize that they're not all made of adamantium, or there wouldn't be, because there wouldn't be enough adamantium in the world to create this many Ultrons. They're battling well, but they're still facing overwhelming odds, and Iron Man salvages a molecular rearranger from one of the Ultron bodies and supercharges it so it can destroy many Ultrons all at once. We cut back to the lair where the Vision is able to escape Ultron's trap because he has been redesigned since they last met. He's able to alter his density in somehow a different way than he was in the past. He declines to fight Ultron. Instead, he monologues about his life and love, and he offers Ultron to forget the destructive vendetta and that they can find their place in the world together. As this goes on, we cut back to the battling uh, Avengers, where Iron Man comments that they've been fighting for hours and that they're all slowing down, but that they keep moving on. Back to the Vision and Ultron, who start to reach for each other's hands, but at this point, Marvel interrupts our regularly scheduled story for a Spider-Man Mysterio story that was in the middle of all Marvel books that month, which, uh, even though it was in every book I bought that month, I never read it. Cue so, back record. to our story. I'm sorry? Cue the record, the record scratch here. <laughs> back to our story. As you'll recall, Vision and Ultron were reaching for each other, but Ultron blessed the Vision instead. Vision says that he was sincere in his offer, but also used that time to deactivate the electric, uh, excuse me, the uh, electric jolt that were keeping Wanda unconscious. 
And he also freed the Grim Reaper, who grabs a laser torch and uses it to free the Avengers. Although I'm not sure why it doesn't just kind of slice their hands off as he tries to do that. As they square off, the battle is joined. As Thor declares, Ultron, we would have words with thee. Ultron is ready to take on all comers, and Ultron is basically easily handling them. Uh, Their only hope appears to be for the Scarlet Witch to recover and use her chaos magic. The Grim Reaper runs off because he doesn't basically give a shit about the Avengers. And a very shaky Scarlet Witch tries to use her hex power, but Ultron laughs and he's suddenly glowing with power. Turns out that instead of crippling him, she actually boosted his power. Thank you, Wanda. He attacks Thor, calling him an insult to science, and continues to manhandle all of the Avengers. Justice bursts in with some anti-metal that was confiscated from AIM. Hank takes it and starts to pound on Ultron, and as he does so, metal on the Avengers' uniforms begin to dissolve. Hank goes into a berserker range, rage, pounding on Ultron again and again and again until Ultron is gone. After the battle, the Avengers all have to settle down. However, the final scene is of Ultron's bride, Alchema, collecting the brain engrams that Ultron had taken from the Avengers and saying that at this point, it requires a mother's touch. The end. I thought this story was awesome. Yep. Really just kind of, you know, it, it, it did what I talked about them doing before we started doing these books about how they took Ultron and they just keep bringing him to another level. Just keep raising the stakes with him every time he appears. And you start getting to the point of, well, how are they going to defeat him this time? You know, in the past, they used Wanda's magic to, uh, you know, to cripple him or destroy his body. Or they had Franklin Richards do it. It was always something, you know, something unexpected. Some power that they wouldn't normally have. uh, And yet he took Wanda off the table. In fact, when 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 she was finally freed and you think okay that's how they're going to do it she's so shaky that her magic actually has the reverse effect of what they wanted and it, it boosts his power so i just thought that was a great twist to it and then you know yeah the anti-metal thing that justice gets him it's another uh, deus ex machina but it's just well mm-hmm. done and it's put in the hands of hank pym who's just totally freaking out and he and he just goes into a berserker rage and it's just all just so well done and the interesting thing is the the final thing in the story, although a different plot device, just seems to me to remind me very very much of the story that you just did, Bill. That one start you know ended with the head laying in the uh, mm-hmm. junkyard, and you knew eventually that head was going to somehow be the Found way that they would revive Ultron. Mm-hmm. And this one ends with Alchema, and again you know that somehow that's going to end up in Ultron being revived again. So okay. it's it, it just, it's over, but, you know, it's almost like the end, question mark. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really loved I dug this story so much on every level. Well, one thing about this storyline that, that anyone that's not familiar with this particular one, the way this starts is that Ultron really goes to the darkest he's ever, I think he's ever been portrayed. And in that he kills every living being in the nation of Slo- Slorania. Slorania. Murders them all and claims the country as his own. And that's what brings in the UN and brings in in the Avengers. It's really, really dark. Mm-hmm. Again, upping the stakes. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, sometimes that gets hard to do because, you you know, now how do you up the stakes from here? You know, you have to keep doing it. And it's, it takes a creative hand. And Kurt Busiek is, you know, he, he his writing style is very complimentary to George Perez's 
drawing style as far as the quality goes. Uh, just great stuff. They're, they're oh, yeah. such a good team on this book. Oh, yeah. George Perez. This is one of I, – I just love this era. I do have to say there are some points in here where the inking is a little loose. And yeah. I think it could be tightened up some. And I didn't credit the inker in this who is Al Vey. Al Vey, yeah. And there's points where, where I thought it could have been a little bit more detailed. Um, it's almost a style of the day where they where they would have this this slightly less detailed inking on certain panels. Most of it, the George Perez artwork is just so good that, that you can't ink it less. But there's a couple of scenes with Thor in particular where I feel like they he, he kind of just left some detail out. Yeah, there's one with a little bit uh, like with Justice. He looks a little funky on, on one page, but... Overall, on the whole, though, like on the opening, like that double page uh, splash. I mean, that's that's you know, with all the different Ultrons coming in. Um, one other thing, going back to the cover real quick, I can't remember when in Ultron's background they started to show energy behind his faceplate because in the book that we covered, if I remember correctly, there was no energy showing behind the eyes; it was just black and dark. But at some point in his history, they started to show like energy inside him. Right. Um, I can't remember when that started, but 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 here it just it was really highlighted on, on the front cover, and much like my cover, everything's in a red scheme, you know, in a reddish color, except for Ultron this time. He's all all in silver. Everybody else is red, reddish, bathed in a in a red light. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, the cover, I gotta say, I'm not as thrilled with as the previous cover. Now, the previous cover, I gave an A, so mm-hmm. that's not saying this is a bad cover. I just don't feel it's quite as effective. I'm not crazy about the angle, the looking down angle, and I'm not sure that the bathed in red has the desired effect. Mm-hmm. I do like uh, Wanda's uh, skimpy outfit. Oh yeah, yeah. This is uh, mm-hmm. well. She's always had uh, good clothes, and Perez. But isn't this reminiscent? Now hold on, let me go look at the book on the cover. Is this outfit kind of reminiscent of when Byrne was writing? It was a, it was a very it? gypsy looking outfit. Yeah, with the uh, open belly, like she look she looks like she should be doing a belly dance. Mm-hmm. Well, Perez's uh, wife is uh, is a belly dancer, so belly dancer and shirt designer. The the, yeah. scene, the scene with Thor break, bursts into uh, bursts up bursts the first uh, Ultron that he kills with his hammer. That's one of the ones where I feel like the detail is a little lacking. Well, that scene where they bust in the wall, and I'm not sure what page that is, but where Thor says Ultron, we would have words with thee. I want that in the movie. Yes, because this was voted the. Uh, what year did this book come out? Ninety nine. Yeah, this won the award for. Was it Wizard Magazine that was doing it at the time? Probably. Yeah, I, I think. Um, for oh, sorry, I was thinking best when... moment um, of the year is when the Avengers confront Ultron, and and that's you know that's this moment in this book. Well, this open page splash, or well, not the the OO open page, but. In the trailer, uh, may, may, there's a scene where the Avengers are all around some piece of equipment, and they're fighting off all these Ultrons coming in. That's mm-hmm. why I think you're right, Scott. We may see that you know Ultron. We may have you know we would have words with the. Right. We might see that in the movie. 
Yeah, well, I, th- I think they're, they're savvy enough, the writers for these movies, that they know that that's a pivotal Ultron moment in Marvel history. And I'm, I'm, I'll am i be very surprised if it's not in the movie. Right. It's, it's you know, that, that, that I, you know, it is a, an often quoted line. You know, it, it's very famous and, and you know, well-loved. Just, just overall, just excellent issue. It's, it's almost like I'm running out of things to say just because I'm, I, I can't think of enough superlatives for it. I love how they're just all beat to hell in this story. You know, the Avengers are clearly, you know, battered and bruised. Uh, even I was going to say at the end of the story, but even you know, as the story opens, you know, I'm looking here at the at the page where, uh, you know, again, I'm, are there not page numbers on this, or I'm just not seeing them. Oh, this is the era when Cap lost his shield, too. Yeah, yeah, Cap has the energy shield during this mm-hmm. time. But uh, it's the one that at the top of the page he's saying, you were right, Shellhead, they're not not all adamantium. I love this panel because, you know, Thor, or Cap is, I mean, he's all cut up. His uniform's all tattered and torn. He's bloody. His cheek is bleeding. And you look at Thor, and his shirt is almost gone. His pants are all tore up. His um, The wrappings on his boots are coming all undone and everything. But what really strikes me here is he's calling his hammer back to him. And that is very much in the style that uh, Walt Simonson would do Mjolnir returning to Thor's hand. So it's almost like Perez is doing, you know, his version of Simonson's version of Thor. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. I think that looks cool. But at the bottom of the page, I'd forgotten that, cap at this time because he had the energy shield he could actually form the energy shield into other things other than a shield so he changes into a battle staff a couple of times in this story and there at the bottom you know he has the battle staff kind of using it almost like a lightsaber and uh and destroying an ultron but look at his uniform it's all tattered and torn and it just looks fantastic you don't see these characters take this level of of abuse normally in a story you know usually in you know a story with say captain america for example he he almost he's almost like james bond you know at the end of the story you know his uniform's fine and you know he walks away unscathed they are clearly not unscathed in this story they have taken uh, a crazy amount of of abuse and damage i mean they're all cut up and torn up and they're you know, some of them are some of them actually do wind up kind of naked at the end of the story. Uh, Firestar's uh, uniform dissolves off of her, and she's got to wrap herself in Justice's cape. And that's that's due to the fact that that anti-metal uh, that uh, Hank uses to destroy Ultron mm-hmm. destroys metal around it. And, right. Uh, and she's wearing a uniform meant to contain her microwave powers. Right. So there's like a metal uh, infrastructure to it. So as, right. as it gets destroyed, her uniform just disappears, and then she ends up, I guess, wearing Justice's cape around her. I like uh, Justice has has a uh, a cast, and mm-hmm. you can see like it's it's been signed by Thor. Right. Yeah, I thought that was cool too. Where's Where's that at? That's on the page just after uh, Hank destroys the uh, Ultron. Oh, okay. I mean... Down at the bottom of the page. Oh, okay. Oh, I see it. I really don't like Wasp's hairdo in this story, though. She, her hair has a weird, like, unwashed quality to it. It just looks bizarre. Well, they've been held captive. I mean, Hank's hair is a pretty... Well, that's true, too. too. 
But I mean, yep. it's, it's just something about the hairdo itself that just looks odd to me. I actually don't like the one arm, one leg costume that George Perez seemed to love. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think the last either. time this was around was uh, the one that Andy just covered. Was it 196, I think, when... Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I do love this art, though. It's fantastic. I, I agree with you that uh, the art, uh, the inking, rather, is... Uh, it's not so much that it's not good or it's loosey-goosey. It's inconsistent. Yeah. Because I'm looking at the page where Ultron is blasting the vision, but good, and the vision's flying back. The inking on that page is beautiful. But then some of the other pages are just so loosey-goosey. It's almost as if it's different inkers on different pages, which it may very well be. I don't know. I, I don't know if they were still doing that sort of thing during this era or not. I know a lot of times they would get ghost inkers to pitch in to help out with a particularly tough or long job. They might have been doing that in this time, too. I'm not really sure. Well, there's a but, couple spots that everybody's – there's a few characters have like – like I have a horse face. They're kind of a little bit too long. Right, yeah. Like the yeah, vision. Like on the same page after the vision gets blasted, you look over one of the ones where he's talking to Ultron, and his chin is just like so yeah. elongated. That's that's kind of a, a Perez thing, though. He he mm. he did the long face on some people. Uh, he definitely does it with Wanda, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, there's another one where she looks a little long in the tooth. I said, Wanda, how come the white a long face? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's still it's it's excellent. The artwork is beautiful. Well, I was noticing that this has been reprinted uh, a couple of times, both in trade paperback and I think it's been reprinted. Uh, hardcover i would like to see the hardcover to see if maybe they had uh corrected some of the you know part of the thing looking at this you know the art is very beautiful but i was not crazy about the marvel inking and paper uh process during this time so i was going to criticize the coloring but i really don't think there's anything wrong with the coloring i think it really comes down to the printing process but the the coloring often almost overshadows the art it's like it's a little too too something. bright, a little too bright, a little too, I don't know, almost day glowy or something in, in parts. So uh, this was something I would really like to see, um, you know, in a really nice format, you know, reprinted and, and color corrected and that sort of thing to see what it would look. I bet it'd be beautiful. Well, is this they, after they had gotten Malibu's coloring? I, this is probably around the same time. Right. I uh, yeah. see. I, I, I don't I don't question that they might be able to do something better with it but uh you said it would be beautiful i think it's beautiful as it is i i'm i'm, I'm okay with it i do like it i i think it's uh i mean the story is fantastic the story is just this is great great stuff well, this gonna... i mean this run of of music and paris is fantastic anyway but i think this particular story is when it was just firing on all cylinders just really really great stuff I'm going to uh, give my ratings on this thing, which probably will come as shocks to no one. Uh, the cover, again, I like the cover, but the cover to me is almost the weakest link in it. And and by weakest link, I mean it's only a B. Uh, the interior art is a solid A, despite the fact that I feel like the inking might lack. I think the pencils are so, so, so solid that they overcome whatever deficiencies the inking have. 
Uh, and the story, I think, is also an A. Again, he he took the stakes, he upped them, he made it seem like, how are we going to get out of this? The only thing that seemed like a possibility was taken away from them. Uh, just incredibly well done. Solid A. And the, the interior artwork and the uh, story are enough to bump the overall rating, even though the cover was only a B, the overall rating's an A. Anyone else? Yeah, I'll go. I was just Thank you. <laughs> No, I, I, I pretty much agree. I think I like to cover a little bit more than you do. So I'm actually going to give it uh, an A-. minus. Um, the interiors, yeah, there's a couple little things here and there. But, but yeah, it still overshadows. You know, we've got the wonderful Perez rubble on the opening shot. You know, the decimated cityscape. You know, you've got rubble everywhere. People's clothes are torn. The detail is great. You've got, like you and I mentioned in our um, in our one we did with the Corvax saga, you've got Perez tech mm-hmm. um, with the Ultron machines and everything. So, um, and the story is just, yeah, this, this all, this whole run, you know, so some of the things that, 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 that Busick did with, with, with Perez in this, cause they, they started out with what they had the uh, alternate universe Avalon where they were fighting more Morgan Le Fay. Yeah. That was the um, very beginning of the, uh, of this this volume yeah i mean that they go to this there's so many other things i just can't think of off the top of my head so um yeah the story's an a the the interior art i'm gonna give a minus and the cover an a minus but but still the overall the whole book is for, for me is also an a so i did some quick research here and two issues from now on the cover it says 1999 uh, Wizard Fan Award winner for uh, the writer and artist uh, Kurt Music and George Perez. But that was the year that they were already in with this story. Um, the cover I was thinking of is actually number 34, which has this great and super creepy Count Nefaria cover on it where it's all lit green. It's it's really cool looking. It, it was a, a oh, double yeah, size issue. And his eyes are all lit up, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it says uh, 2000, meaning the year 2000, 2000 Wizard Fan Award winner. Uh, and it won Best Series, Best Artist for George Perez, and Best Moment, Avengers Confront Ultron. So that was from this story. So, yeah, that's the that's the one I was thinking of before. Um, anyway, for, for, this particular, uh, for this particular issue... Um, as much as I love this storyline, and I really, really do, um, the cover for this particular issue, never really been that crazy about it. So I'm gonna go with a, I'm gonna go with a B minus because I, I just, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's the, the all red coloring or what. There's just something about it. I've just never been all that crazy about. Um, but everything else is a, is a straight up A, maybe even an A plus. I love the R on this. Um, I do think that Alve's inks are inconsistent, but that may be due to the actual uh, printing process. Like I said, really like to see this, um, you know, in a nice reprinting to really be able to gauge the uh, the art that much better. But um, as it stands, I think it's really beautiful. Um, and I think the colors um, might not be serviced by the paper that it's on either. So, again, I'd like to see that, uh, you know, a, a really nice reprinting to really see what it really looks like. 
um, you know, something like what they've done with the with the crisis. Uh, absolute something like that i'd love to see this story in that format to really be able to appreciate the art and uh the story's top notch i mean i think the the busick uh perez uh story arc on avengers was you know on this particular run of avengers was just fantastic anyway but this is probably the high water mark of that was the ultron story and uh and this was the the wrap-up to the whole thing i just think it's great just damn good comics. So yeah, straight up A. I don't, I don't think we can get too much better than this. Um, A's all around. I would I would say let's read some email, but we're well over the two hour mark now, so <laughs> I'm gonna say we'll save email for another time. Um, just uh, I can't wait for this movie now. Me either. Come on. <laughs> get here already. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcast.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. So okay. you want to? You want me to do the bit to start the show? Yeah. All right. You run. You run with it. You go, girl. <clears throat> Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say you go, girl? Is that what you yeah. said? That's what I said. Hold on. I had my James Brown voice earlier today. <laughs> I feel okay. good. All right. <clears throat> oh, shit, I didn't really think how to start this bit. <laughs> I just kind of started in the middle. Okay. This, this is so professional. No, well, okay. So on my long time, Two True Freaks pays you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm worth every dime. <clears throat> right. These dimes are made out of adamantium. There's adamantium, whatever. whatever adamantium. Thank you. Whatever. Um, so anyway, on my long drive up to Tallahassee today, I was thinking of uh, about Ultron and everything. And I was thinking, what if uh, in the Marvel Universe, Ultron just kept, you know, because he keeps coming back with a different version, a different version. What if he got to the Ultron James Brown version? So you 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 would have Ultron, Ultron Bound, and the Ultron all-star Ultron band. So it'd be like, ah, James Brown, Ultron Brown and Ultron band. We got Ultron one on drums. Yeah. Ultron two, three, four on backup. Yeah. 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 Ah. Well, this just sucks. Forget it. Forget it. So now whole, if anybody's it was, still it was listening. So better. <laughs> it was so better in the car. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I stretched. I just, I just killed my voice in the car. Uh, a lot of this is going to go into my bill. LMD file. Jump back! It's it's rate myself. You know what? Instead of being the pre-credit sequence, I think that may end up being the post-credit sequence. <laughs> well, you know. Okay, now that was funny. <laughs>